Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Before we start today's episode of the MA Hour, let me tell you about my good friends over at Athletes Collective. They are the only men's sportswear company that offers premium workout gear at an affordable price without the logos. Stop overpaying for sportswear just to look like a walking billboard. They're not paying you to do it, so stop paying them. Grab some Athletes Collective gear now. Don't let the affordable price fool you. This is some serious performance apparel. They use the same high-quality technical fabrics as the big brands, but charge 30 to 40% less than they do. I've been wearing it for the last few weeks. Love it. Extremely comfortable. Fits perfectly. Can't say enough good things about Athletes Collective. They're also pre-shrunk, so you can wash and dry them as many times as you like, and they'll never lose their original shape or ability to keep you dry when you sweat. Personally, I have a bit of a weird body. I buy something, it gets too small. It's a whole mess. Doesn't happen with Athletes Collective. Trust me on this. I've tried it, washed it, it's perfect. Go to athletescollective.com and enter the promo code MMA and receive 15% off your first order. All orders include free shipping and returns to the US or Canada. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, September 12, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani, back inside our New York City studio, back from a wild and wacky weekend in Cleveland, Ohio. Truth be told, I enjoyed my time in Cleveland. I was there since Wednesday, got there early Wednesday morning. Uh, it was sweltering, very humid, much like New York City. We attended the open workouts around one o'clock on Wednesday and those were outside and I was sweating a lot during those and a small crowd showed up and at first I was a little surprised by that but after talking to a bunch of people it just seems like you know we know that Cleveland is a very working class town hard-working people blue collar it's just tough to get them to come out you know on a Wednesday Thursday at 1 p.m. leave work and just watch guys train it's not like they're coming from you know Parts unknown to Las Vegas on vacation and they're ready and willing to take in everything that Fight Week brings to the table. So it was a little quiet on Wednesday, but it was, you know, it was starting to build a little bit. The press conference on Thursday was kind of dead. Had a chance to check out the Cleveland Indians game, which was fantastic. What a field that is. Progressive field 
one of the very best that I've ever been to. And then the buzz started to build and build and build. And I got to say, the people of Cleveland are 100% still on cloud nine. They are still on that high. It's like they just won the championship yesterday. You could just feel it. Everyone walking around, not just with Cavaliers gear, with just Cleveland gear. Everyone is just so proud to be from Cleveland. And of course, we saw that on Saturday. That crowd, and I know I pissed off a lot of Irish people by saying this, but it's true. That crowd was deafening. That might have been the loudest crowd that I have ever heard for a UFC event. Louder than UFC 127 in Sydney, which I said was one of the loudest. The uh, Ace Arena was on fire for that event. Um, And maybe even louder than Dublin in 2014. Now, I know there was half the amount of people in Dublin, but still, I'm just talking about the actual noise in the arena. When Stipe Miocic came out, Cleveland's own, they were going nuts. When when, When he landed a punch, they were going nuts. Like, they were exploding for every punch. And of course, it got dicey there for a second. He got dropped. Overeem went for the guillotine, uh, but he was able to weather the storm and ultimately win the fight. So Stipe Miocic, now the reigning and defending UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, What a successful event for the UFC. UFC 203 draws over 18,000 people, $2.6 million gate. It was sold out. In my opinion, whenever Miocic comes back, whenever that time comes, I mean, it would, it would be weird not to have it in Cleveland. He is such a bigger star in Cleveland. And of course, you don't want to saturate the market. You don't want to dry up the well. But gosh, Stipe Miocic versus Cain Velasquez, which in my opinion is the fight to make at this point, is a very big deal in Cleveland. So they need to capitalize on that. Coming event was just a bizarre affair. Uh, Verdum defeating Travis Brown in their rematch for Bruce Verdum and then push kicking Edmund Tarverdian. I have a lot to say about that. Uh, We will talk about that. And of course, by now, you know that CM Punk was unsuccessful in his mixed martial arts debut, submitted by Mickey Gall in the first round, uh, taken down rather quickly, uh, defended the rear naked, but uh, ultimately tapped in the first round. And uh, the aftermath has been interesting. It was uh, a wild ride to cover for 21 months. Uh, And it finally culminated on Saturday night in Cleveland. A lot to discuss on that fight, of course. We have a lot to get to this week. So let me run down this week's card. And uh, and when I'm talking about card, by the way, I'm talking about show lineup. And then we'll get to our first guest of the day. At around 4.10, we're going to be joined by Mickey Gall, who, I mean, all this whole process from the moment he called out Punk and it was captured on camera up until the post-fight press conference, the man has just... He's hit one home run after the next. And uh, I mean, he is landing in New Jersey in like an hour or so. And he was willing to drive to the studio just to be here in studio to talk about the win. That's how much this guy gets it. He will not be in studio. He'll be on the phone. I was a little worried about flights and whatnot, but this guy gets it. And uh, definitely, definitely a solid prospect. Uh, 245 will be joined by Anastasia Yankova, who is a big-time prospect herself in Bellator. She returns to action on Friday for them. Jimmy Rivera beat Uriah Faber on pay-per-view on Saturday. He suffered a very serious eye injury, um, and he just informed me that there is a chance he may not be able to come at 225, which is when he's scheduled, because he might have to have some uh, some surgery. Uh, we We do hope that that's not the case and that he'll be able to join us and that he... He gets well soon, but we'll we'll monitor that situation for you. Alexander Gustafson, who picked up a big win last weekend in Hamburg, will stop by at 205, 145. We'll talk to King Mo 
who better than King Mo to talk about MMA and pro wrestling and the cross-section between the two. So looking forward to talking to him. It's been a while. Jim Miller, who has been training with Mickey Gall for quite some time and is coming off his own big win a couple of weeks ago. We'll stop by at 125. But first, let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in my fellow Canadian man who is in Cleveland covering the festivities at the Q, the Fight Network's own John Pollock joining us right now. John, how are you? I'm doing well, Ariel. I too would have driven down if you had so requested. Oh, well, thank you, John, because it's interesting. Um, you know, we don't need to get into it, but I did invite you to go to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with me on Saturday and you blew me off. But then it got weird because I saw you there with Wei Ting and it was just like, oh, so I guess you guys did plan on it. It just, I felt like our friendship kind of hit a bit of a roadblock there, but this is my olive branch to you. Well, when you come up to Toronto, okay. uh, December the 10th, yes. uh, it'll be on me Okay, you and I will, will go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, but not the museum. Right. Okay. Uh, John's alibi, by the way, is that I called it a museum. It's a Hall of Fame. Yada, yada, yada. No one except for maybe Way understands. <laughs> words are very important. They are. They are I very important. you were going to the museum, and I, I was not interested in the museum. Little did I know you meant the Rock right. and Roll Hall of Fame. And and by the way, in my defense, I would classify that as a museum. But alas, enough about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was a good time, by the way, and I do suggest you check it out if you're ever in Cleveland. One of the reasons, John, why I wanted to have you on the show first was because, if you recall, after UFC 181, that Monday, you were on the show first. And we talked about right. the, the announcement that CM Punk had signed with the UFC and that he was about to embark on this journey. So here we are, 21 months later... And the journey, as far as his first fight is concerned, is over. So if I would ask you, okay, as far as this experiment is concerned, this whole endeavor, considering everyone involved, considering what the UFC got out of it, CM Punk, and the opponent, Mickey Gall, how would you rate it? What kind of grade would you give this experiment? I think you'd have to give it a B plus because I can't just judge this on CM Punk. I think Mickey Gall is a huge part of this equation. I think even the most optimistic person that back in 2014 could have seen that with CM Punk, you're not looking at something long term. This is at most we will get a handful of fights out of this guy, and it may only be one in the UFC. What they did was they matched him with someone that had a lot of upside to him, that it wasn't just going to be a random person that was nowhere near UFC ready either. Instead, Mickey Gall comes in, he looks great, and this can be a springboard for Mickey Gall. On top of it, I mean, we talk about all the different elements that make up mixed martial arts and the business of mixed martial arts. Engaging the public and gaining interest as far-reaching as possible, that may be the most important thing. And that was achieved on Saturday, regardless of what the end result was. So while I don't feel CM Punk is someone you can bring back to the UFC... That's something that can be debated, and I certainly feel with Mickey Gall, at the end of this experiment, you have something tangible that you can grow, and maybe he can grow into something much more than even we see today. A couple of follow-ups here, and I pretty much agree with everything you just said. Um, do you think that the UFC booked CM Punk against a too tough opponent? Do you think that in hindsight, they should have booked him against someone who was less experienced, or given the charisma and how he is on the mic and his skills, it was important to book him against someone exactly like Mickey Gall. I feel that was the thinking. And that's when you look at kind of uh, 
comparables to this. I mean, when Brock Lesnar was first brought into the UFC, and I am not comparing <laughs> backgrounds of CM Punk and Brock Lesnar as some commission members have, but what they did with Brock Lesnar, everyone assumed he would be facing a guy at, at the lowest level imaginable at heavyweight. Instead, they booked him against Frank Mir. And what that did was we saw Brock Lesnar look good against a guy who was very credible in the fans' view. And you got the perfect situation in that Brock lost, it rejuvenated the career of Frank Mir, and Brock Lesnar was very much accepted at that point into this UFC environment, and you could build off of both guys. Hmm. Their thinking at the time was probably that even if Brock cannot hang here, this could be something great for Frank Mir. So in this case... Absolutely. CM Punk was overmatched. He was put with someone way above his level. But I think that would have been the case with anyone while the UFC still had to put together a somewhat credible opponent here and not just taking somebody with with a matching record to CM Punk's with no amateur experience. I think that would be too much out of their comfort zone of what they would have been comfortable doing, even if it could have led to them getting CM Punk a more favorable matchup. And Obviously, a big difference between Punk and Brock. Brock was, you know, we, we, we all thought that he was going to stick around for at least a few years, which he did, and he had that background and whatnot. Do you think that this is one and done for CM Punk? I know you spoke to Dana White afterwards. Look at your crystal ball. Do you think we'll ever see CM Punk inside the octagon? My, my reaction is probably not. I just feel that, that Saturday's performance was just... It was a wake-up call. A lot of people thought this was going to make uh, other UFC fighters who had talked about, you know, this looks bad upon them, it looks bad on the UFC. I thought this had the exact opposite effect. I think people that maybe had this Cinderella ending in mind with CM Punk got a really big reality check of just how much work this takes and the years of expertise needed to hang at even the lowest level in the UFC. I think it it gave people an even greater appreciation of what it takes to, to be able to hang in the UFC. So I just don't think you can bring him back. But when you look at all the different boxes you have to check off to be an elite-level UFC fighter, one of those boxes, and maybe the most important, is public interest. And there's no question there will be interest in punk fighting again. So the UFC has the option on the table, do we cut this guy because of this performance and let him go elsewhere, that being a Bellator that you know would do a huge amount of viewers for CM Punk's second fight with someone that would probably be much closer to his competition level, Or do they look at something like they did with Chris Cyborg, where they had her under contract and essentially allowed her to fight outside in Invicta and allow Punk to go to whether it be a promotion that runs on Fight Pass, a legacy, an RFA, and strictly pay him so that he does not go to Bellator. Those, to me, are the options that are facing them at the moment. Yeah, I kind of feel like they're going to try to push for the latter. Um, Do you think CM Punk is going to fight again? Do you think he's going to go through this again? I feel he will. I feel that that performance and the fact that he has put two years into this, I think if nothing else, I think he feels he will owe it to his team that got him here, that this wasn't just, hey, I got to the big show and that's it. I made my money and now I'm going to go. I I don't know if he necessarily will want to end this this path with that performance on Saturday. So I very much could see him fighting again. I just don't see it happening in the UFC. I think that would be, that would be a tough one. I feel for the UFC coming off of Saturday and kind of where, where they feel now that punk is at. 
Do you agree with this statement? In in some ways, I feel like the UFC hit the trifecta on Saturday. They hit the trifecta because CM Punk got to live out his dream. He got the opportunity he wanted. This is this is what the whole thing was about, him fighting the UFC. It happened. He made the walk. And let's not forget, not that long ago when he went under the knife for his back injury, a lot of people thought he wasn't going to make the walk. So that, you know, the, the whole thing comes to fruition. They also, number two, they get someone like Mickey Gall, right? They get a prospect that they can now build off of, and he's calling out Sage Northcutt, et cetera, et cetera. He's got a great look, great charisma, and he's definitely got something. He, he, he's he got skills. He's not just some guy off the street. And also, they get to stick to this sort of, you know, the sanctity of the octagon. You can't just come off the street. The guy who came in off the street essentially lost to the guy who's been training for years and years and years. I feel like, in the end, while at first glance you could say, oh, the UFC wanted CM Punk to win, in the end, this actually worked out perfectly for them. Do you get what I'm saying? I believe, Ariel, the best outcome was a CM Punk loss. And the best outcome, I think, would have been that CM Punk at least shows people something. Like, there is something here that is a reflection of the work he put in over these last two years. That he got here, whether it was he was able to to scramble and get off of his back and get back to his feet, landed a shot on Mickey Gall. I think if anything of that occurred, and Mickey Gall still wins, it still gives everybody... Because I feel the narrative would have been, if Punk had won this fight for whatever reason, it would have been more an indictment of Mickey Gall than a congratulations of what CM Punk did. I think the perfect situation would have been that that Punk at least shined somewhat in the fight before ultimately being stopped by Mickey Gall, and it would at least give the UFC the ability that they could give him a second fight, mm. whether it's on a Fox or a pay-per-view, that's where you go from here. It's, it, it was a very one-sided fight. I think it's it, it's hard to spin w- what that was. I think that, that Mickey Gall was just... You got a great showcase here for Mickey Gall, and the best-case scenario is you at least have someone that you can build off of, and he is showing evidence that you can do that. So how do you feel about Mickey Gall versus Sage Northcutt? What a promo that was afterwards. I mean, the guy the guy gets it. Like I said, I mean, he understands. We have veterans, former champions, uh, with all due respect to them, who continue to say, I'll do whatever the UFC wants, I'll take whoever the UFC wants. This guy is freaking calling his shot. And, and look, when you do that, you get what you want more often than not. Do you like this idea? Because let's not forget, Sage Northcutt, even though, you know, in January he fought at 170, he's a 55-er. Um, Gall is a 170-er. But I I mean, okay, you answer before I weigh in. What do you think of this idea? Are you in or do you like something else for him? No, if the weight is the only stumbling block here, I don't see Sage Northcutt wanting to be uh, going up to 170 after the Brian Barberina loss earlier this year. And the question becomes Mickey Gall getting to 155. I'm I'm sure that would be, if he wants this fight, that's probably what needs to happen, him getting down to 155. I think it's the fight to make. And Mickey Gall is someone that anytime he was given a microphone over the past week, anytime that he had an audience, he looked at it as an opportunity. And I think more fighters need to do that and realize how important that element of the game is. Some don't really like that. That's a factor in the game, but the results are there. It is. And Mickey Gall knew that. And for a guy who's 24 years of age, he gets this business uh, better than a lot of fighters and realizes this was an ability to get my name out there. Now, how am I going to build upon this? Because the CM Punk chapter is over and he's looking at what is next. Yeah. And and I, I like the fight. I hope they can make it because that's there's a natural to put that fight together if you can figure out the weight. I agree with you. I do think he gets the CM Punk rub for the next fight or two, meaning he's the guy who beat Punk. It sticks with him a little 
bit. And that's why I feel like it's good that they booked him punk against someone who can continue in the UFC as opposed to some guy who's going to go back, you know, collecting garbage and was just a complete slob, whatever. Um, Let me ask you about the main event. What an entertaining affair that was. Deafening in there. What a scene in Cleveland when their own Stipe Miocic weathers the storm, wins, uh, finishes Overeem with ground and pound. I feel like they need to go right back there uh, for Miocic versus Kane. Do you agree with that or do you think that's a mistake? Is that too soon? Whenever it is. Of course, he said he wants some time off. But even if it's in February or March, the guy just comes across like a star. And let's be honest, he's not the greatest interview. But when he's around his people, he just seems like a superstar. He is so entrenched with, with, with that audience. They they loved yeah. Stipe Miocic. And you don't always see that 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 kind of passion yeah. for a fighter. And especially for a Stipe Miocic, where he is not a guy that, that comes across as someone that, that is working very hard to endear himself yes. to that audience. <laughs> but they love him, and, and he loves that, that audience. So I think March, April in that time frame, that's probably when he wants to come back. And I think you can go back to the market at that point. I mean, there were 18,000 plus in that arena. And I think a large percentage of that was for Stipe Miocic. And I think while I don't think Stipe Miocic can necessarily carry a big pay-per-view alone, I think having CM Punk added a lot of support to this as a pay-per-view and he will deserve credit when that number comes out, if it is uh, above the figure that, uh, Stipe Miocic and Fabrizio Verdum drew back in May. But Cleveland, to me, is where I, I would want to book this guy with Cain Velasquez. I think that is the, the fight to make and probably early 2017. Do you think he tapped, as Overeem uh, uh, insinuated? And do you have any issues with the way that whole post-fight interview went down? Um, because some were saying after that, you know, it, it, it embarrassed Overeem. It wasn't the right call, etc. What, what did you make of that whole scenario? I had no problem with Joe Rogan calling on the footage. I mean, the fact is, he did interview Alistair Overeem, and Alistair Overeem put out a, a massive allegation that they had the evidence to either corroborate with or or just refute instantly on the spot. I don't have any issue with them calling on that footage. It did put Alistair Overeem in a bad light because there was no tap. Uh, but I also sympathize with Joe Rogan and his hesitancy to interview a fighter right after they've been knocked out. I mean, yeah. I've thought it myself many times when there's been a brutal knockout and they insist on interviewing the loser moments after this knockout where they probably ha- have no understanding of being in the moment and who they're speaking to, much less uh, what they are communicating. So I would have no issue if they kind of made it a policy that a guy that suffers a knockout like that is not subjected to an immediate post-fight interview. Yeah. Let them have some time to recover. Go to a press conference. You can still uh, get the reaction from the fighter without it being right on the spot there. But I, yep. in the moment, I thought that when Alistair Overeem said that, they had the footage. So I didn't really have any issue with them calling upon that footage. Couldn't agree more. He makes the accusation it's it's almost irresponsible not to go to the footage. I feel like Alistair kind of wanted them, even though he may not have been in the right headspace. Um, and I agree with Rogan as well. Uh, it's probably best not to put over him in that spot. I, I really felt bad for him. You know, my heart went out to him. He, he loses his title fight and then he's kind of, you know... He's kind of just left there on this island by himself after making that call that uh, that Miocic, and you knew that they were going to give him crap for it because Miocic is the hometown guy. So uh, let me put you on the spot. Miocic, Cain Velasquez, who are you picking? Um, you know, Cain Velasquez, I think that 
I would still have to favor Cain Velasquez. I think that uh, wrestling would, would be a big part of that fight. Um, but Stipe Miocic, I think that he ascended to another level on Saturday. I think we, you looked at the Fabrizio Verdun fight, and it was a very short fight. Caught him with a great shot, and you got to see a bit more of him. And he had to overcome some adversity in this fight on Saturday. I think Stipe Miocic, um, heavyweights are very hard to kind of have a solid opinion of because that's a championship that bounces around so much it is uh such volatility when you're talking about heavyweights with with that power but we saw a lot from Stipe Miocic even in a one-round fight on Saturday that it's a much more competitive fight today than I would have said yeah. a week ago I think that that is a much more viable heavyweight title fight after the performance with Alistair Overeem but I just think based on the athleticism of Cain Velasquez and how he looked against Travis Brown I think that vintage style of Cain Velasquez that he can get back to, I would still have to favor him in the fight. Oh man, I love that fight. I love that matchup. Not so it's a sure. great fight. I'm not so sure. I'm looking forward to the interviews and the press conferences and whatnot, but uh, between the two of them, but uh, the fight itself is is absolutely amazing. What a great fight. Um, the co-main event was just, I mean, on a night where a pro wrestler made his UFC debut, it was like a pro wrestling match. I mean, with all the wackiness for Doom starting off with that kick, we find out after that he got a shot, his foot was fractured, his right foot was fractured. He got a shot just a couple hours before the fight. Um, Brown's, you know, finger injury, which was gruesome, the eye pokes, all this craziness. And then at the end, uh, Edmund Tarverdian, who's become somewhat, like, a, like, to use a wrestling term, like a heel uh, in this sport, uh, is, is sort of stepping to Verdum. Verdum push kicks him off. What a bizarre scene. The Ohio Athletic Commission tells our Mark Ramundi that no one's going to get fined or suspended because of it. Who do you blame for that ugly incident? Oh, I mean... Edmund Tarverdian clearly, I mean, taunted him. I don't agree with Fabricio Verdum responding by physically uh, responding with with that kick. Um, I I didn't feel a suspension was in order for what happened. I I think it it was not some kick that did severe damage to Edmund Tarverdian. But you can't be doing that, especially to to somebody that's not a fighter. We are not within an actual fight at this point. It it was just an ugly look. And it's a fight that just what a bizarre roller coaster it was from how it started. And the fact that it should have been over after that finger injury. I mean, had Travis somehow come back and won that fight after that just egregious call to continue. I mean, uh, dare I say it would have been a travesty if he oh. somehow won that fight, Ariel. Wow, well done. Yeah, you can't call a timeout uh, in the middle of a fight. And uh, Jimmy Rivera... And the stuff- crowd would have been... Ju- the crowd, sorry, would have been just as hostile if the fight had ended like that in the first round. So it just... From that moment on, it just became such a bizarre fight. And then the post-fight stuff, it was just... <laughs> what, what, what a weird what a mistake it was. yeah it was a very weird card overall it was a weird card um but even jimmy rivera called the timeout like uh the the eye poke was was de- definitely happened and has clearly injured him and it's a very unfortunate situation but the ref didn't see it and he had to call time as well which is which is strange in its own right um you're right it, w- it was it was weird it was entertaining in that regard i i personally blame edmund uh, you can't walk up to a fighter 15 minutes after he just fought, getting punched in the face and stuff, and start yelling stuff at him. Uh, I mean, you you have no right to do that. And to me, it's kind of like a New York Rick, I'm stealing his comparison, but it's like someone getting, you know, someone performing on stage, a musician, and a fan jumps in there. It's like, get out of here. This is my stage. This is my area. I, I, I'm cooling down. 
Um, even even sitting cage side and listening to how Edmund was talking to Travis, like dressing him down loudly, uh, it was the whole thing was bizarre. Um, the original plan for that fight was Ben Rothwell versus Verdum. Rothwell got injured. And from what I'm told, Derek Lewis was on the table and wanted to take that fight. That should have been the fight to make. Derek Lewis versus Verdum. To me, I hate to say it, but Travis Brown and Edmund and that, and that whole team has X-Pac heat at this point. I mean, it's just changed the channel stuff. And, I, and I'm sorry if I'm being too 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 harsh right now, but uh, it's just it's just not a good look. You, you can't yell at a fighter after he just fought. I think they do Verdum versus JDS, JDS 2 next. Do you like that idea? Yeah, I think that that's probably the best option. Junior Dos Santos is ready to come back at this point late in the year. That would probably be the best fight. I mean, uh, another option out there is a Josh Barnett. Um, th- those are kind of the fights you're looking for. But I, I don't think anybody is expecting Fabrizio Verdum, despite his campaigning, yes. uh, to be getting the title fight out of this. And Junior Dos Santos uh, doing that rematch, it's it's something that does have a backstory to it. Yeah, and Junior was there cage side to take it all in. Great stuff, John. Appreciate the insight. We'll be looking for your coverage today on uh, the Fight Network. Fun to cover another one with you and Way. Even took in a, a local pro wrestling show on Friday. How about that? Matt Riddle, Shayna Baszler, Dan Severin. Great stuff. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks a lot, Ariel. All right. There he is, John Pollock of the Fight Network in Toronto. Okay. Uh, let's move along now. Uh, bring in our next guest. Uh, he was victorious in late August against Joe Lozon. What a great fight that was. A nice rematch on Fox. And uh, he's one of those guys who was saying from the get-go that Mickey Gall was going to essentially run through CM Punk. Uh, He has known Mickey for quite some time. But before we move along, let me tell you about my good friends over at Casper Mattresses. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house, has a sleek design, and is delivered in a small how-they-do-that-size box. In addition to the mattress... Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. An in-house team of engineers spend thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's just got the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. Now, we all know mattresses can be expensive. They can sometimes cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for twin-size mattresses, $600 for twin XL, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and a mere $950 for a king. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015, free shipping and returns to the US and Canada, and it's made in the good old US of A. Now, special offer for the listeners of this great program. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash MMA and using the offer code MMA. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Longtime veteran of the sport, Jim Miller, joins us right now on the phone. Jim, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for the time. So, like I said, um, there's a lot to talk to you about, but you were one of those guys at the beginning who said that, you know, this was going to be a pretty easy night for for Mickey. Uh, was that how you expected it to go? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, and nothing against, uh, you know, Phil. Um, but Mickey, Mickey's been training for, for years, and he's one of those guys that, uh, as a fighter, you, you knew that next generation was coming up, and, and he's one of those guys that's part of that next generation. Even though he's only had, you know, three pro fights now, um, you know, at, at 24, he's been around the sport for a long time. When did you first meet him? Um, I can't quite remember off the top of my head, you know, uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was back in, back in the AMA days. It was, um, I mean, it had to be at least five years ago. Okay. Uh, wow. You know, probably a little bit more. I think he was, I think he was young when he, when he first showed up at the pro practice. So even, even probably like six or seven years ago. Uh, you know, we've been talking all week and ever since this was booked that this kid seems to have it. Uh, he just gets it. He calls people out. He's great on the mic. You know, he's got that good look. He's a, he's a, he's, he seems to be a great prospect. He's, he knows what he's doing in the cage. Do you recall when you started to feel that way about him? Did, like, did you ever think to yourself like, ooh, this is someone who can actually have a run in this sport. He, he has that potential. He gets it. He has the package, so to speak. Um, you know, uh, from the from a technical standpoint and from you know athleticism, it was pretty much right away. You know, I mean, coming in to a room that at the time had you know five or six guys fighting in in the UFC and uh, and being dangerous and being a pain in the ass for every one of us. Um, <laughs> you knew you knew that he he had the potential if he if he you know could uh, could stick around. You know, I mean, that's that's probably the, the biggest hurdle to get over uh, is is that resiliency of being in the sport long enough and training long enough. Um, you know, and he definitely had that. The dealing with the pressure and and dealing with the media, I didn't know that about him. You know, I didn't know how he was going to take it. Uh, and then when he got the opportunity, he's 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 handled it very well. As as one of the leaders of your team, and you know, such a such a longtime vet and so successful in your MMA career. Do you sense any animosity towards him that he's getting all this this attention and he got this opportunity and that he's clearly going to get pushed now by the UFC? Like within the team, do you feel like anyone kind of looks at him and says like, man, I've been doing this a lot longer than you. You don't strike me as that kind of guy. And I'm not implying you, but other people who are trying to work their way up, you know, fighting for the CFFCs and mm-hmm. 10. You know, do, do you sense that at all? Does he have to deal with that? Um. No, I, he he doesn't. You know, the the, the guys that, uh, you know, I've been around and he's been around, you know, um, that we've been training together mutually for, for years now, um, they all get it. They all know. I mean, this was this was somebody that, me personally, I, I would have been more active as a fighter coming up. Um, he had a couple fights fall through and stuff like that. But uh, it's it's that... Charlie the Chocolate Factory, you know, like, hey man, he calls out CM Punk because Dan is there at a at his pro debut and gets the opportunity, and it's like, man, you know, here's a kid that's coming in, and uh, you know, I think he was making ten ten for his first fight, um, which was double what I was making for my first UFC fight, so it's like, wow, that kind of sucks, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> times have changed, you know, and, and, uh, it's, it's just an opportunity. Uh, and I'm happy to see someone as, as grounded and, and, uh, you know, as good a person as Mickey to get it. Um, you know, it, it's, it could, it could go to a guy like him or it could go to somebody that, 
uh, hasn't put the work in, hasn't been around the sport that long. So, you know, uh, I think everybody, even the guys that are in the trenches that, that are right there on the cusp and, you know, have nearly 20 fights and are, are, uh, are ready to be in the UFC and ready to compete at the, at the highest levels of the UFC, I understand that it's just some, some guys get the opportunity and, and uh, you know, when they're young, and, and that's just the way that it is. Um, you know, everybody is supporting Mickey and, and uh, you know, is hoping that he, you know, he, uh, he seizes his opportunity. I'm assuming you watched it, right? Yes, yes, I did. Putting aside your, your relationship, your feelings on, on Mickey, as someone who has literally bled inside the octagon, you've been through the ups, the downs, uh, you know, you've, you've knocked on that title shot door. I mean, you, you have essentially done it all in this sport. What were your feelings seeing CM Punk make the walk, seeing him in there? Like, were you disgusted by it? Were you bothered by it? Did you think it was a, a black eye on the sport? And then how did you feel after hearing him on the mic and everything? Did it change at all? Um, you know, I... I didn't. I didn't feel, uh, you know, insulted by it or anything like that. I. Uh, he's he's on the other end of that that opportunity. You know, here's a guy that he he has a name for himself. You know, I mean, he's the main event at at WrestleMania or whatever. So, he, I mean, he's he's got a name. He's got a following. Um, on on the the part of like hey stepping up and doing it there are, there are people that would do it there are people that wouldn't do it and um you know he's one of the ones that actually made the walk and, and didn't throw up on his way to the game <laughs> so you know I, I I tip my hat to him uh, there there are people that would do it there are quite a few people that would uh, given the opportunity would step in there um, but yeah you know he, he handles that very well it's it's uh, it's unforgiving, you know, and there's nothing like getting your ass kicked in front of a couple million people yeah. to, uh, you know, to, to make the, the hardest man uh, crumble a little bit. And he handled it very well, um, you know, so it's, it's just one of those things, you know, I, I, you see, you see a little bit of, uh, you know, Flacco in his way and, and um, he's not the one who wrote up the contract. That's right. <laughs> you know? so, That's a great point. I mean, <laughs> He talked to Dana White. Dana, Dana said, "Yeah, let's do it," and and uh, and he did his part. Um, so there's really, you know, I, I don't. I knew I I knew the way that it was going to go. You know, it was uh, it it is. It's like I said, it's unforgiving. It's uh, it's a legitimate sport. The, the the times have changed. It's not guys that fight in bar rooms coming into the UFC and and uh, and, and making a name for themselves. Uh, you know, it, it takes work, and like I said, Mickey, Mickey's put in that work. Literally minutes so, ago, uh, the news came out that his disclosed pay was five hundred thousand. Do you have a problem with that? Um, you or know, you? I mean, I'm jealous. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'd like to be making that kind of money. Sure. Um, have you ever made five hundred in disclosed pay? No, no, no. You know, I. I've been scratching and clawing my way to where I am right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating, um, that, you know, I could have two dozen fights in the UFC and, and be in, you know, multiple fight of the nights and stuff like that. And, and, uh, headline a few cards and, um, and not being making that kind of money, not being able to provide, uh, as comfortable a life for my family as I'd like to, if I was making that money. Um, 
so it is frustrating. Yeah, but you know, it's just one of those things. It's it's uh, I gotta I gotta I gotta earn my way up there, you know, and and, and do it. So uh, trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing on this whole experiment, uh, Mickey called out Sage Northcutt. And since mm-hmm. you were so accurate with your prediction the first time around, uh, do you do you like that fight for him? And do you think that it it bodes well for him? Uh, yeah, I do. You know, um, Mickey's a he's a talented striker. We we haven't gotten to see much of the inside the octagon, but he's he's creative and and uh, and I think he can handle himself on the feet with with Sage. And you know, he's he's a legitimate legitimate brown belt on on the ground. Uh, and I've seen him give quite a few black belts trouble and he, he gives me trouble, man. He's a, he's a pain in the ass. Um, his, his body type and his aggression on the ground are, you know, it makes it difficult. I have to be on my game, you know, to, uh, to get the better of him. Wow. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think he, he goes to the ground with stage and, and it's a, it's another dominant submission in the first round. Um, you know, obviously, Sage is very dangerous on his feet. He's very unorthodox and, and uh, can throw some crazy things. But I, I think it's a perfect matchup for Mickey. And it's like, you know, uh, yeah, do it. <laughs> Take the fight and, and uh, you know, and, and continue the, the momentum. Right. Um, okay, so now talking about you, because your story is so fascinating to me. You've now won two in a row. And it seemed like, you know, after the Chiesa fight in December and then the Diego Sanchez fight, people were starting to kind of, you know, write the obituary of your career, but you have turned uh-huh. it around in a very big way. And then you come out with the revelation that you were suffering from Lyme disease and that was yeah. really affecting you. Where are we at now with that? Is that something that you can just shed or do you have that, you know, for the rest of your life? And and how did you contract Lyme disease? Um, you know, I, I live in like, it's not suburban. It's more like sub-rural New Jersey. You know, I mean, we're, we're rural, but we're not like super rural. Um, you know, my, my backyard butts up against, uh, cow pasture and, you know, there's deer everywhere and I've got dogs. I spend time outside. So I, I deal with ticks every year. Um, you know, I haven't had too many bite me, but, uh, it's just one of those things that now that now they're finding that the, the tick only has to be attached for like 15 minutes. And if you get the, the bullseye, you've basically won the lottery. Um, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things where they, they don't know much about Lyme. Um, and it, it has a lot of co-infections and it can, it can just show with so many different things. And that was kind of the issue with it is I just felt like I had, been training for a long time. Uh, you know, my, my knees started to hurt. I was getting, you know, I, I, I never suffered from, from low back pain. All of a sudden I was dealing with low back pain. Um, and then numbness and tingling, which I've, I've had some neck injuries in the past and, uh, dealt with those things. And, um, it was just, yeah, it was just, it, it just slowly slid downhill and, and, got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I trained for the Kiev fight and was training and had a normal training camp, you know, getting in, uh, you know, uh, a decent amount of training sessions. And, uh, I was coaching wrestling for the, you know, my kids and stuff. So I was, I was doing a lot and, uh, you know, I 
felt like I wore myself down to a nub and never really kind of pulled out of it after the fight and then went into the, the camp for Diego and, and just never, never got going. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, I was having a lot of, um, arthritic symptoms, basically, you know, right. I, I'd wake up in the morning, some mornings and pretty much not be able to move for, you know, 15 minutes, just have to kind of lay there and slowly stretch it out and kind of deal with it. Um, you know, and every time I'd go up and down a set of stairs, I'd be grabbing onto that handrail and, or going up and down sideways because it, it, uh, didn't hurt my knees that, um, you know, and I thought it was just kind of the wear and tear, but, uh, we did some, some blood tests before the fight and, and it came, you know, came back to that, that line. So, uh, you know, I went on, um, uh, cycling right after that fight. Uh, I've been on it since, you know, uh, the second week in March. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, now it's, now you're dealing with being on antibiotic for a while. So that, that kind of sucks, but, um, is that for life? No, no, it'll, some people have Lyme and they, they go on antibiotics for a while. And what ends up happening is the antibiotics technically don't even kill the Lyme disease, the, the bacteria. They just slow it down so that your body can beat it. So you kind of have to just let your body beat it. But there are quite a few people that they have continual bouts and they'll have it, you know, every couple of years and um, other people get it and they, it never comes back again. And, um, but yes, it's, it's, it's a, it's an epidemic and, and it really doesn't get the publicity that, uh, that it should, in my opinion. And, um, and I'm not just saying that because I have it, <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's just one of those things. At least now I know what it feels like when I get it. Um, because even, even while on the antibiotics, you still kind of have these little dips where you feel like crap. Um, and it'll last for a day or two and just, you know, feeling really run down, joints hurting and stuff like that. And, uh, it's, uh, I know what it is now. So it's, I'm a lot more comfortable with it. I'm a lot more comfortable with the idea of, okay, well, even if it doesn't completely go away and I have to deal with it in another couple of years, at least I know the feeling now. Right. Um, where it was a, it was a miserable, like <laughs> an absolutely miserable, like eight, nine months. Uh, you know, I mean, it started probably in, in, in the summer of last year where it started to like, just, that's when I started to really get the symptoms and, and, uh, yeah, it was like, it was rough, but you know, everybody's, everybody's got to deal with something, you know? Sure. And, uh, if this is all I have to deal with, then, then so be it. And I'll take it and, and, and be thankful that, that it's only this, you know, cause there, there are other fighters and there are other people that deal with way worse, you know, than, than feeling the symptoms of Lyme disease and fighting with it. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how it goes and, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep, keep monitor, monitoring it. And, um, yeah. So when you're, fi- I don't have to deal with it. Well, when you're fighting now, do you feel like your old self or not quite back 100% yet? Uh, I do. I do feel like my old self. Okay. You know, um, one of the things that it seemed to affect me was for some reason it was just my explosiveness just wasn't there. I, I didn't feel as explosive as I, as I had, um, you know, and that might've been from, oh, I mean, even when I was training more consistently, but you know, towards, towards the March fight, uh, I wasn't training as consistently. So 
Um, but yeah, I just didn't feel like I, I had as much pop. Um, and you know, cause I was kind of also, I mean, even, even if I was warmed up and had been training for an hour, if I stood up, my knees would hurt and I'd stand up like an old man. I'd post on my knees and I'd grunt and I'd groan and, and it didn't matter how warm I was. Uh, it still hurt. So I think I was kind of, uh, you know, compensating for it and, and not getting, you know, getting into those, those, uh, those deep scrambles and stuff like that, where uh, I was putting myself in spots where, you know, even if you're healthy and, and feeling good, uh, you might bang yourself up. Um, but you know, it's just the way that it is. So, but I do feel, I feel way better. I, I'd, I'd never seen anything on it, but I think it was affecting my metabolism as well. I oh, had wow. a really tough time with, with weight cuts from, um, you know, starting last April, I, I probably contracted it in late 2014. Um, so last April I had an awful weight cut and then just the next three after that, even though I was trying to really take my weight down, um, and make it easier on me, uh, I was still having tough weight cuts. And then since I've, been on the medication uh, and feeling better. The last two weight cuts have been the easiest in my UFC career. Wow! Uh, this, this this last one that I had for uh, the August fight was probably the easiest weight cut I've, I've ever had because um, it was just everything was dialed in. I showed up fight week like seven pounds over. Then did all the right things leading up to it. Where even when I was young and I was only seven pounds, over, I was just beating my beating my ass and, and sweating it off and and uh you know running it off and stuff like that now it's just knowing all the all the right things to do to manipulate it it just melted off and, and it was a piece of cake any idea after the two wins now and the the back end of of 2016 ufc 200 over takanori gomi the win over joe lozon which was a fantastic fight uh in late august any idea who's next and if not will you dare i say pull a mickey gall and call out your next opponent um, no, you know what? It's never been my style. <laughs> you know, uh, I just, I just want to fight and, you know, I, I definitely want to get one in by the end of the year. Um, you know, that was, that was one of those ones that one of those fights where, you know, with Joe that I was a little more banged up coming out of it. Um, you know, my, my shin's still pretty swollen. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm not quite ready to hop right back into a, into a training camp, but, uh, yeah, I definitely want to get another one in by the end of the year, and, and I don't really, I don't really care who, I don't really care where, and I don't really care when. So, All right. Um, you know, when when Joe Silva emails me, he basically tells me who I'm fighting. <laughs> not really a question. Not, uh, not anything like that. It's like, hey, you're fighting this guy on that date. Yes, sir. And uh, that's the way it goes. So, um, you know, I'll know let him know when I'm ready. All right. Well, soon that is going to change because Joe is leaving, but I get your point. Yeah. Um, happy to hear that everything's doing much better and that you're feeling better. And congrats on the, the recent success. Appreciate your time, Jim. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right. There he is. Jim Miller stopping by. Okay. So let's go from uh, one great New Jersey fighter to another. Uh, very thankful that Jimmy Rivera is able to squeeze us in. He has a very busy afternoon, so let's get to him right away. Jimmy Rivera, who had a massive win over Uriah Faber on Saturday night, is on the phone. Jimmy, are you there? Yeah, how you doing? Hey, man, thank you so much for joining us. So, from what I understand, are you at the doctor right now? Yeah, I'm at the eye doctor right now, kind of waiting on being uh, waiting on to be seen. 
Uh, okay, so uh, and again, thank you so much. And if you have to go, we appreciate you know your time and understand and 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 you know I really appreciate you just coming on uh, after everything you've been through. How are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? How's the eye? Um, oh, the eyes don't the eyes only bother me right now. I have a still very blurred vision and like a line and like a dot on my eye right now that I can't really see well. So I'm wearing a little patch. So I, uh, I don't really expect it was a light or any strain on it so to try to heal until I see the doctor. And you weren't able to fly home? Do you have to drive home? Um, we didn't want to take the precaution flying, so we ended up driving home. I was going to drive home anyway with my family. And, uh, you know, if, if, I, if it wasn't going to be a loss, I told my family and my friends already it's going to be a long drive home because I'm going to be stopping everywhere I want to eat. <laughs> um, how long did it take to drive home from Cleveland? Um, it's not bad. It took about like six, seven hours. It wasn't too bad of a drive. We had to drop a couple of people off on the way, so it took a little longer than that. But it was a good drive home. Uh, so what do you think the injury is? I, I know you spoke to our own Mark Ramundi, and it sounded pretty serious. What do you know about the state of the injury? Um, right now, there's a scratch that could use stitches on the white part of, of my eye. And then they said my retina is not detached, but there's a really bad crack or bruise behind the retina so like a lot of it didn't make sense i saw uh, like a residency uh optometrist i think it was uh, i believe um so I, you know i was like i'm gonna just see a specialist so i'm here waiting for the specialist now to really see and get the you know the answers and let them take x-rays to see really what's going on because uh uh you know it wasn't as clear when i was in the er and this happened in the third right yeah it happened right in the third about two minutes in the third round when you when you were poked initially, did you think you'd have to stop? Like, was it that bad? Um, it was black. Like the whole, the, once I got poked until about 10, until after they, I, after I got out with Rogan, speaking to Rogan, um, I started getting a little vision back, like half of it. Like from half down, I could see very, very blurry and half up was black. And the whole last three rounds, it was black. Like I was, I was nervous. Like I, I knew it was up ahead and it was, in the cars, I kept asking the ref how much time was left. Wow. I'm like trying to go with decisions in my head. I'm like, well, if I say no, like if I don't want to continue, it's going to be no contest. Um, I actually spoke to a doctor who was ringside afterwards in the back. I'm like, was I close on the numbers? Guessing, she was like, you like, was I right on the numbers? She was like, you were pretty close because she was putting up her fingers. I think she put like three up, and I think I guessed three, but then she put two up. I said one. Wow. I, I was just, I was just guessing. I was just like, you know what? I'm close. This is, you know, a lifetime opportunity. Uh, I, I, I was like, I said, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to finish the fight. I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm going to keep it going. And, you know, if I get banged up more because I got one eye, whatever, it's, it's something I got to do. If that would have happened in the first round, do you think you would have been able to continue? Um, I, I think I think I would have continued, even if it happened in the first. I, I, I waged, as I was there, I mean, I was waging my, my options in my head of what to do. And I was just like, you know, I, I can't, I can't say no, I can't. I'm like, no, I, I'm not one to give up. You know what I mean? And, and the eye poke happened, whether it was intentional or not, you know, it happened and it's just something I had to fight through at the time. Do you think it was intentional? I don't know. I think it was a little bit. I feel like, cause you know, he hit me in the nuts, hit me again, but I kind of grazed. It wasn't that bad. He didn't really say sorry afterwards or pound, you know, like if you hit someone in the balls or, yeah, I told him my accent. Yeah, I just started to yell, my bag is your pound or something like that. He didn't really say anything. So I don't know what, you know, if it was or wasn't. You know, it was a little suspect. I, I don't really care. You know, at this point, I, I got the W. I got the win over 
someone that I grew up watching. You know what I mean? I grew up watching him as a as a teenager, a kid, and it, it's unbelievable fighting. And I was telling myself, I'm gonna get in there. I'm not gonna have you know that that little starstruckness. I'm gonna go in there and do my thing. But in the first round, I felt a little. I felt that little starstruck. I was like, wow, wow, I'm fighting Uriah Saber right now. This is crazy. This <laughs> is fun. And then I was really enjoying myself because like I, I know in my I know I should have done better. And that third round, I really wanted to pour it on, but with my eye. Not trying to make an excuse, but with my eye, it was really freaking hard to. I couldn't believe how right eye dominant I am when I'm using stuff. So I was like, "Wow, this is hard to fight with the left eye, hit the right eye, and throwing stuff." Like I was throwing stuff, and I was like, "I think it's hidden." Oh my okay, god, that one hit. That one didn't hit. <laughs> I'm like, "Wow." So, uh, but I'm not gonna lie. In that first round, I was like, "Wow." I'm like, "I'm fighting him right now." So like, I, I didn't want that to happen. My coach is like, "Don't let that happen." You know, don't in there get like a little starstruck. But I did, and you know, it's it's my fault. But I was like, at the time, like, "Wow, he's throwing stuff. He's not hitting it." I'm moving. I'm like, this guy's ring number two in my head, going in my head as I'm fighting. He's ring number two, and I'm dodging everything. He's not. He can't even take me down. I'm like, this is freaking awesome. Like, I, <laughs> I, I can't believe where I'm at as a fighter. You know, how far I came. I love this idea that you were having this, uh, you know, internal monologue throughout the uh, the first round. You're fighting this living le- legend. So, considering how you felt about him at the time and what you sort of implied about the the low blow and the eye poke, have your thoughts on Faber changed after fighting him? Um, yeah, I think if I if if we were to fight again, you know what I mean, it would be a diff- a way different fight. You know what I mean? A, a way it would be like me not like just going forward and not stop throwing. Like he, like I had an answer for every single thing. I watched the fight and I'm like, you know, my uncle said I did enough that you needed to get the win, but I I, I personally think I could have done more. I'm always a perfectionist, so like the next day I was watching the fight, I was looking over. I'm like, what do I need to fix with it? Like I, I was, I'm never happy. You know what I mean? Even even sometimes you get a submission or you get a knockout, there's still always things you want to fix to make yourself better. Uh, now, obviously, I, I was happy with the win, but I know my performance could have been better. So I want to fix that and, and move up. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next appointment. Once I get this eye situation done and hopefully everything works out well, I, I'm getting right back into training camp. It's the only thing stopping right now is the eye. I'm a, you know, it's my sight. I was scared as hell because you go on three minutes. I'm fighting three the last three minutes. And I'm like, I can't see out of my right eye. Wow. Black. There's no, there's no sight. Like, I didn't even know my eye was open. Like, when I was with the eye doctor, she said, no, your eye was open. I'm like, it's open right now because I don't wow. see anything. That was closed shut. Uh, that was your 21st pro fight. Have you ever experienced anything close to that before? Uh, with an eye poke like that? No. No. no I've uh, never got that. got hit in balls once or twice. That happens. You know what I mean? But, uh, I poked him. I was serious. I was, uh, I was like after the fight. I was like, I was scared. He's like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine, my coach. But I'm like, I'm scared. Man. I don't want to lose my vision. <laughs> yeah, and you know the crazy thing is, is that I don't know if you saw this when you were rewatching it, but you kind of had to tell the ref, right? It's like almost like you had to call time because he didn't notice it at first. Did you? Did you pick that? Did you? Did you pick up on that? I didn't pick up on it as much. Um, so so focused on what I was yeah. doing in a way, but I remember calling. I remember like the fact that watching and calling time because you know I, I saw what happened. The fences were a fight, and. Uh, like when he hit me with that poke, I was like, "Holy shit, that was it!" And I jumped back and I was like, "Ref, that poke, that poke!" And I'm, you know, I was surprised that he didn't see it because the way he was throwing that left hand, his fingers were open. It was like a slap. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, a hook punch. You know what I mean? Even if it was a hook punch, you know, usually you have your hand closed, so it was a slap. And he did it like once or twice in previous rounds, and I'm like. That's why I, I, I'm suspect of that whole eye poke and uh, you know his the, the kick to the balls and 
and then I happened, I jumped back because I remember what happened with Francisco Rivera. Got I pulled right away, and it was kind of hard to see Francisco Cruz's exchange. He threw like a like a like a slap cross punch, and it was like, you know, I caught it, and that's when I was like to the ref right away. Yeah, and that referee, by the way, was uh, Gary Copeland, who I don't think had a particularly great night. He also ref the Fabrizio Verdum Travis Brown. Uh, fight, which was all kinds of wackiness. You probably weren't watching because you were dealing with your eye. Um, What's going through your mind? And I don't even know if you can hear them when they're booing you. They're booing both of you. And you guys are fighting your ass off. You're fighting, you you know, I I don't think it was a bad fight at all. I mean, it's just two really great fighters meeting in the the center of the cage. And at that point, you know, later on, you're you're dealing with your eye and you're you're, you're hearing boos. What are you thinking at this point, if anything? I'm just focusing on what I have to do and listen to my coaches. I hear the booze, but it's not something that I want as well. They want to see people like go to war sometimes. And sometimes you just don't get that. Like if you're a fighter, you know, you don't get that. It's just so technical sometimes. And that's what happens. Some fights are very technical. Some fights, the guy's just coming in and brawling and you're going to, you know, it's like Pedro Moon. That's why I fought. He came in brawling and I wasn't going to back off from that. You know what I mean? And there were some times I went in to try to, you know, Tad Uriah hit my combinations, and he would jump back. So it was kind of like cat, cat and mouse in a way, a little bit. You know what I mean? So it was, it was some. So I had some difficult times hitting him too coming in because you know he uses movement and his hopping back and, and his uh, unique movement to you know get out of range so he wouldn't get hit. So it happens. You know what I mean? And the cat you can't win him all the time. The cat, you know. Um, that was Faber's forty third pro fight. He's thirty seven. Never in his career has he lost two in a row up until now. Uh, are you of the opinion that he is officially slowing down? I know his last fight was against Dominic Cruz, but uh, what do you make from a guy who clearly has watched him for a long time, who respects him as a fighter? Now that you've been in there with him, do you think that he is starting you know, to, to go down as far as his, his skills are concerned? Um, you know what? I don't think so. You know what I mean? I've, I said, he said one time in an interview, and I watched all his interviews, um, and he was like, you know, Jimmy Rest said something about me evolving. I don't understand that. You know, I'm two in the world. And I said evolving, I meant evolving as a fighter, getting better as a fighter. You know what I mean? If you ever watch your favors, he's been the same person from his very first fight to his last fight with me, which is what he throws and what he does. He does the same stuff all the time. Where you see other people like TJ Dillashaw, who has done little stuff and gotten better. You know what I mean? And, and has perfected his striking. Or like Dominic Cruz, who's you know, smart fighter. He does things to set you up so you throw stuff. Very, very smart fighter. You know what I mean? Like, so when I said evolve and I meant evolve, like, your eyes always had the same, you know, offense. It's always been the same offense. You no know, right hand, he'll go for the single leg, the double leg, you know, great elbows, and the same offense. So when you know that offense and you practice that for two, three months in, you're ready for it. You know what I mean? So, you know, with that said, I was ready for everything he had to throw at me. And I was very surprised in the first round that he wasn't going to wrestle me more. I heard an interview said that he couldn't get in on takedowns or just, you know, it was too hard. And I was super surprised. You know what I mean? I thought he was going to bum rush some takedowns on me. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely seemed to uh, ruffle his feathers a little bit. He mentioned that in the scrum on Wednesday. And speaking of that, I mean, you were in a very important fight um, on the main card, and yet you weren't at the, the media day. You weren't at the press conference. He was at the, the open workouts. Did you feel like, okay, here's this big opportunity, by far the biggest name you've ever fought. You've now won, I think, 19 in a row. It was 18 going into it, but yet you weren't getting that attention that a fight like this usually gets. Like, were you, What did you feel about the way you were being pushed going into this fight? 
I'm, I'm, st- I think I'm still underrated. I think people are like, oh yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I feel like that all the time. And you know what? It's cool. I love to be underrated. Like these, these kids coming in who was ranked 12 just beat the number two seat. You know what I mean? I might be underrated to people, but I know at least to the fighters, to the people that are ranked in the bantamweight division, they, they know I'm here and they know I want to be the champ. You know, and uh, it's fine by me. I mean, he got an open workout, he got a media day. You know, we were joking like we had a we had to wait at a restaurant for an hour. I'm like, oh, you're right, stay right. I wouldn't have to wait. I have like five minutes wait to <laughs> sit down, but we waited for an hour. So I was like, it's all good. We joke about it. I don't let it get to, get to me at all. It doesn't bother me. I just want to keep moving forward and I want to get that title shot. Are you confident now that the UFC is going to get behind you and push you a little bit? Um, I don't. To be honest, I don't. You know, I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Um, it's all up to them. I, uh, I just you know want to keep moving forward as long as they keep letting me move forward. I have no problem. So, who makes sense for you next? Do you have any idea? Hopefully, you get you get through this and you can come back in in you know a good amount of time. Um, do you have any idea what makes sense for you as far as your next opponent is concerned? I wouldn't be surprised if TJ Dillashaw. Oh. I heard uh, Cody and Cruz are going to end up fighting soon. I heard they're probably going to be in the works in December. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you know, Cruz, and which you know, you didn't have to be a brain surgeon to realize. You know, Cruz has been talking a lot of smack. Cody's on a big hype. You know what I mean? Cruz wants to fight that. And wants to get some you know bigger bucks, and they've been talking smack back and forth that you know they want to fight. They're looking forward to it. I think it's going to happen soon. You know what I mean? So it's kind of obvious besides of what I've heard from other people and fighters. But they're looking worse. So it's looking like I think it's going to be uh, probably TJ Dillashaw next. Unless Brian Carey now wants to fight me because, you know, I, I beat your, your eye and thinks he could beat me or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know I mean, there's been, a, there's been a couple guys ducking me, and I can't say I, I can't do anything about it. It's crazy. I, didn't, I thought getting in the UFC – no one ducked me. They have to take the fight. Nah, it's not like that <laughs> at all. Wow. So, you know, um, you know, I, I had my fair share. You know, they offered me, you know, one time, Thomas, I made it. I said, yeah, I'll take it. I just don't want to fight in Brazil. I've been in Brazil once. I fought a Brazilian. And I, I had my one experience. It was good. We'll fight anywhere. That kind of fell through. Um, they offered me Sterling Byron Carraway. Again, that fell through. Um, Mazzazaki was supposed to fight him, but he said no to me. He said yes to Cody. Hmm. So, you know, that fell through. Then they offered Carraway again. Carraway said no. And then I had the option of these four. And I had the four at the top was Faber. I was like, of course, I want to fight Uriah Faber. I'm like, that's a great fight. And that's how that fight came about. Wow. And um, I knew Carraway was going to say no. I knew it. So Sean, Sean, Sean Shelby already knew. You know, but he, 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 wanted me, he wanted to see what was going to happen. And just in case. And he said, you know, if he doesn't want to take it again, there's just four other guys who would you rather fight. And I think when I said Faber right away, he was a little taken back. And I was like, it's the, it's the most sense. It makes the most sense. You know what I mean? I don't think Sterling's going to take it. He was another option. Dotson, yeah, he's at 10, but uh, I, I'm like, I want to move up. You know what I mean? I want to get to the top. Dotson's good, but Faber's a legend. Faber's great. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I want to fight Faber. It's it's still crazy to me, and the, the rankings haven't updated, but that you were 12th going into this is just mind-blowing considering your your winning streak and how impressive it is. So is it is it fair to assume that if you had it your way, Dillashaw would be your top choice. Um, yeah, I guess you know. I mean, that would be that would be my top choice because you know you got Cody and, and Cruz, and I think you know Dillashaw really wants a rematch, but Cruz doesn't want it, and then you know the UFC's not giving him right away. And I figured, you know, if I fight Dillashaw, that basically pits us as a number one contender. So whoever gets that win off of uh, off of Cruz and uh, Cody, and basically if I you know beat Dillashaw, then that gives me the the opportunity to be able to be the cut number one contender and be able to fight him. You know what I mean? Who, who do you like in that fight, by the way, Cody or Cruz? 
Um, you know what? I think Cody, if he connects that right hand of his, but Cruz is a, you know, he's a very, very smart fighter with everything he does. You know, I've seen him, I watch him so much. You know, I mean, he's in my weight class, so it's very important for me. I study him, and he does stuff to beat you. He does all these things, and I feel like a lot of people haven't fought him the correct way. And there's a certain way you have to fight him, and a lot of guys haven't done that yet. Dillashaw did a little bit of it, but uh, I think, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? I think I'm going to have to go with Cruz on that fight. Nothing gets Cody, but Cody's a cool, nice guy. Yeah. Got to meet him. He said, congratulations to me. Appreciate it. Um, but I think I think it would be uh, Cruz on that fight. Unless Cody decides, you know, have a completely different game plan what Uriah did, then I think Cody will win. But right now, I have to stick with Cruz. Um, okay, so to wrap this up, and again, thank you so much for squeezing us in. Um, what 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 is your gut? Do you have any idea what the doctor? Do you have do you have a sense what he will say? And you know, if you do have to have surgery, how serious is that as far as long term vision is concerned? Um, you know, I I don't know if it's that that if I had surgery, I heard if it's a retina or something like that it might be you know a month or two months. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how bad. I'm hoping it's not that bad. I'm hoping he's saying it's just keep resting and use the use the antibiotic. Maybe need a stitch here because I had a, a cut uh, in in the eye itself and the white part. But I'm not sure. I'm hoping. I'm staying positive. I'm hoping it's like it's not gonna be bad. Another week was the patch. Keep putting drops and you, you you'll be okay. Um, as the days gone by, like the site has gotten better, but not great. You know what I mean? So okay. it's still a little bit blur. So. Well, a lot of it blur, but I'm hoping that, you know, with time, it'll be better. Has the UFC been cool? Uh, ha- have they been helping you? Yeah, they were great. They were great. You know, I went to the ER. They said, whatever doctor you want to go to, just let them know, give them the information. We'll take care of it. And I said, awesome. You know, I appreciate that. And uh, they've been great. You know what I mean? But there's not, I can never say anything bad about them. They're great. You know what I mean? They're, they're uh, there for you if you do get hurt and stuff like that. So they've been really great through this process. Okay. Uh, well, I wish you the best, man. And, and please keep us updated, whether it's social media or, or any other way. Uh, I hope everything goes well with the doctor over there in Jersey and that you can avoid surgery and, and get back soon. And, and again, congratulations on a huge win. Uh, what a performance that was. And especially when you consider that, you know, the third round, most of it was with, without an eye, even, even more impressive. So kudos to you, my man. Great stuff. And looking forward to you continuing the streak. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And once I know what happens, I'll shoot you a text and I'll let you know. Oh, you're the man. Thank you, Jimmy. All the best. You too. Bye. All right. There he is, Jimmy Rivera. Massive win for him on Saturday night. Improves his record to 20-1. and 20-1, and one, Jimmy Rivera is. Last time he lost a fight, November of 2008. His second pro fight. Split decision. That's amazing. Has wins now over Marcus Brimage, Pedro Munoz, Yuri Alcantara, and now Uriah Faber at UFC 203. Wish him the best. Hope that his eye injury isn't all that serious. Okay, uh, let's move along to our next guest. Been a minute since we've talked to Alexander Gustafsson. He is coming off a very big win over Jan Blachowicz in Hamburg, Germany. That was last weekend. And I uh, wanted to catch up with him and see what he's thinking about the win. So now he's joining us on the phone. Alex, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. How are you, my friend? Um, I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Um, congratulations on the win. Uh, so, okay, there's a lot to talk to you about. But first, just since we're talking uh, all the CM Punk stuff, did you watch UFC 203? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. What did you think of uh, the CM Punk fight? Were, were you, as a veteran of the sport, you know, former title contender, were you bothered by it? Are you okay with it? What, what, do you have any thoughts on it? Well, you know, I guess that... You know, it, 
he did he did what you know he he, he could do that fight and and uh, he he ended up with a loss in that fight but uh, well it's hard to say anything because uh, he didn't see that much of the fight so uh, I, I don't know it's uh, it's one of those things you know he can just get better and and try to and try to to, to learn from it and get better. Are are you bought like if they brought him back for a second fight? Would you be bothered by that? You know, because you have to work up the ranks and all the people in the UFC go through. You know, you go through different organizations. Do you think that it's bad, or do you understand what he brings to the table, pay per views, things like that? Well, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not that. Uh, I don't know. So I don't know that much about where, where his background and, and in the, what he did before in the. In the wrestling part, but uh, you know, uh, I think you know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think too much about it. I think it's just you know, he's 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 here now and he's he's competing for the UFC. And I think you know, you know, give him uh, give him another fight and and uh, and let's see what he got. All right, fair enough. Um, okay, so around nine days after your win, um, what, what do you think of it? Have you watched the fight? And and if so, how do you feel about your performance? Yeah, I watched the fight right after uh, actually the fight, and uh, you know I wasn't. I'm not too pleased with my performance. A win is always a win, but uh, uh, you know it's uh, you know I don't know if it was like if it's just uh, you know I've been away for for a time uh, from the octagon. I don't know, but you know my timing in, in, in my strike striking just didn't really. I didn't have my timing really, and I couldn't really. Get my distance. You know, Blackreach is a really tough guy, and he's a really good striker. And and but uh, you know, you know, I took one to give one, and I, and, and that's that's not that's not how I want to fight. You know, I want to I want to put a put put a, put a clinic in. But uh, I didn't I didn't manage, manage to 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 really reach him. So you know, I just took the ground to took the fight to the ground and uh, and worked worked from the from the top. Was was he tougher than you expected him to be? Uh, no, you, you know, I, I knew he was tough, he, so it, it wasn't a surprise. It was just, you know, I knew I had a better reach than him. I, I'm, I'm taller than him, and uh, so, you know, I've been working on my striking. Uh, you know, I lost for this fight, and, and, you know, my striking overall with knees, kicks, and everything, but I just couldn't get my distance in, and, and from that first couple of minutes in the first round, I just like, you know, let's take it to the ground, and, you know, I really needed this win. I didn't want to take any risks at all or you know anything like that and then you know Makovic he's a tough guy and, and he's been in the, been in the game for a very long time so you know he has his he's, he's very good in his his technique um, so I just knew that you know I'm, I'm bigger I'm stronger and, and uh, I just wanted to secure that win <laughs> you know a guy you've trained with for uh, for several years Dominic Cruz loves to talk about how ring rust isn't a real thing how it doesn't affect you um, but you know this was your first fight in 11 months do you think it affected you? Like, is everyone different? And maybe not for him, but for you, you just you just couldn't get comfortable out there. Well, you know, it's 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 hard to say what it was. It was just one of those days I couldn't get my distance in at all. Uh, you know, I connected some punches. He connected some punches too from a weird angle, and, and uh, you know, it, it was never a danger or anything like that. It was just you know, I, I don't I don't like to fight. You know. Uh, give one to take one that part of the I don't want to fight uh, a fight like that I just want to like you know put a good 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 clinic in I want to I want to I want the fight goals as I'm planning to to, to have it 
Hmm. And I just felt that, you know, in the first couple of minutes in the first round that, you know, he just caught me with his weird weird punches from weird angles. And, and uh, yeah, that was just it. And, you know, I just, you know, decided to to, to work, work, on, work on top with my ground and pound and, and secure the win, basically. So ring rust, I don't know. It's... Uh, it could be, could be not. I, you know, it's hard to say. <laughs> Did he seriously hurt you at any point in the fight? No, not no. at all. No, no. It, it, it was all good. It was just like, you know, he just he just caught me with with uh, with, with some of those punches, and uh, and that was basically it. I was never in in, in a danger um, on my feet. In the days and hours before the fight, how was your confidence? Because you mentioned, you know, you just wanted to get the win and didn't want to take many risks. And I can certainly understand that. The last time you won was against Jimmy Manoa in March of 2014. Were you starting, like, did you yeah. feel, were you feeling that pressure of the, the two-fight losing streak and not winning in a long time? What were you thinking? Yeah, well, a little bit, maybe, because uh, it, it's been a tough year for me. Everybody knows that. I had, like, I had a... Uh, you know, I, you know, I got I, I got stopped in, in here in here in Stockholm against Anthony Johnson, and then I had a a split against DC. So it, it was uh, it was it was pretty it was, it was pretty pretty. Uh, you know, I I, put, I had some pressure on, and uh, you know, I just knew that you know, however this fight goes, I have to win it, no matter what. I don't care if I I win on submission, knockout, or a decision. I just needed a win to. You know, to start to start you know, from scratch and start with, with something good, with a with a win in in, in uh, uh, you know, and uh, yeah. So I just I just took it from there. So a little bit of pressure maybe. Uh, been away for a couple of you know, for almost a year. You know, everything combined maybe. You know, I didn't. You know, it affected me a little bit. I think. Yeah, in a weird way, even though you fought for the belt twice, um, I feel like there might have been more pressure on you going into this fight than in those title fights. Yeah, maybe, you know, because I've been away for so long and I had two losses, uh, coming from two losses. So, And also, you know, I just knew that, you know, I, I needed this win, basically. Uh, nothing else is, is accepted at all. I just, um, you know, I need that flow, that, that good feeling of winning and... and uh, Getting that flow in, um, you know, you feel good fighting. You 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 feel that you you're winning the rounds. It's a special feeling you're yeah. looking for, and and uh, you know, I, you know, I felt it in this last fight, and uh, you know, my 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 confidence was there, and I just felt I felt calm under the whole fight. I could do this for like ten rounds. So, so is my it conditioning was there, and then my strength. So it's safe to say you you feel like you got your confidence back. You're back on track now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel confident. I feel like I'm back on track. You know, it was a good fight with Bakovic, but you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm, I'm at the gym training, and I just want to be <laughs> become like getting my getting my business in and 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 uh, working on everything to to become just better fighter and and uh, get ready for you know whatever it's next. I have to be prepared. I remember you. Did and I don't want to wait a year again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we'll get to that in a second, but I, I remember that you did an interview with a Swedish outlet several months ago, and you said you were going to take some time off and that you were considering retiring, but then after you said you weren't really considering. Now, can you tell us the story? Like, Did you actually consider retiring after the DC fight? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. You know, it was just one of those things when, when you lose, you know, I don't even think I, I actually said retiring. I just... You know, I, I just I came from a loss, a, a really close decision, close to a win, and you know I was just pissed, <laughs> you know, because 
I basically, you know, I was just, I just lost a fight, so I was really pissed. And maybe I said something about like, maybe I wanted to take a break or, or something like that. Never retired. And, you know, you say something and something else <laughs> come out, you know, right. like uh, from media. So it is what it is, but uh, I, I never considered retiring. And, you know, that it wouldn't happen because it's it's just one of those things, one of those things you just say, you, you can't just say, you know, because it's so much harder to really do it. This is what I do. This is what I what I, what I am, am good at. It's nothing that you just quit one day and then, yeah. and you know, so, so I, ne- I, ne- I would never, I, w- I wasn't even close to retire. There was a video that came out after of uh, you guys in the hotel and he was holding some beers and you were holding beers. It was just a beautiful thing and kind of reminds us why we love the sport so much, the, the professionalism that you fighters show. What did you guys say to each other? And have you ever been, I know there's that yeah. famous picture of you and John at the, the hospital, but this one was a little different when both of you guys drink. Have you ever been in a situation where you just fought a guy and then you are drinking with him after? Uh, well, this this was one of the first times uh, I think, <laughs> you know, like I said, John is a, it's a, it's a great guy. He's a very humble, humble guy with, you know, a great sportsman and, and, uh, uh, you know, he represents the sport very well. And, and we know we train a few times together, so we, we know each other a little bit and, and, uh, you know, right now I consider him as a friend, you know, because, uh, we, you know, we talk after the fight and, and we're probably going to end up training a little bit together too. So, wow. So it, it was it was a real amazing feeling to 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 come to the hotel and and uh, you know he just you know um, welcomed me with with a beer so yeah it was a great thing. <laughs> what did he say anything to you? No, yeah, he which is you know he just just uh, you know said it was a great fight and uh, you know and and uh, you know likewise and and then he he we talked about training in the future and and so I'm very excited to see what. You know, you know, if, if it comes down and and uh, you know, and we can train. This is kind of a theme for you. Uh, now, the third time maybe that you you fight a guy and then you train with him, right? Phil Davis, um, uh, and then yeah. and then Jimmy Manoa, and now him. What is it? Yeah. Why? Why does that keep happening? Uh, well, I, I don't know. It's just I, I guess it's, it's you know it's it's kind of. Well, it's it's pretty normal because we it's, it's so close for us, um, you know, to, to to train with each other, and you know, it's you know, Sweden, uh, England, and and we have Poland. It's just kind of small countries if compared to the right. U.S. So you know, if you can play together and get something good from it, so why not? Okay, so what, so what about next? What do you uh, what are you thinking about for your next fight? Uh, I don't have any type of you know. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just waiting to see what they, what they, what want, who they want me to fight, and and when, when, basically. So I'm, I'm ready to go whenever. I'm, I'm training right now, and uh, no injuries, nothing. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what's, what's next. Actually, I didn't hear anything yet or anything new. So I'm just waiting here, and and let's see what happens. Do you have a preference? No, not really. I just want to take one fight at a time. Let's see what happens now. You know, I had a good fight with John Blakovich and then now let's see what happens. Uh, I'm just waiting for that call and, and then we'll take it from there. I, I said afterwards that if John Jones can get through all his stuff that I think you versus John doing the rematch now makes the most sense for, for both of you, especially for John, just because he's been through so much and it was such a great first fight and people would get really excited. Do you like that idea or is it too soon to do that? 
Well, uh, you know, I'm up for suggestions, so <laughs> you know, why not? Let, let's see what let's see what let's see what they say. I'm, I'm up for suggest- suggestions, so so whatever they give me, you know, I'm down for it. And and uh, yeah, second fight with Jones, who knows? What, what do you think it's of the whole the whole top of the division now with with uh, you know Cormier as champion and uh, it seems like him and Rumble want to fight each other but Dana White is saying Rumble and John what what do you think about the whole situation at the top? Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's kind of mixed up right now, and, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm as much excited as you are actually. I don't know what's going, what's going on with the with the, the John thing and, and and all that stuff, but uh, you know, I just I just one thing I know is you know DC is the champ, and, and let's see who's who's fighting next and uh, who's the contender. Would you be disappointed if John comes back and gets a title shot right away? Or do you think he needs to work his way back up after everything that happened? Yeah, it wouldn't be fair like getting like a, a, a title shot. I'm not saying I'm gonna get it. I'm just saying like sure. you know every, everything that happened, all, all you know. It's not fair to other fighters too, you know. They've been working their asses off and they've been fighting each other. So, so not a title shot, by the way. Just give him a give him a give him a fight first, and then let's see. Yeah, um, who would you pick in a fight between uh, Cormier and, and Rumble a rematch? You know both of them very well. Who would you pick? <laughs> you know, it's it's a hard question though, you know, because I don't know if if DC can survive one or two punches, you know. They're probably going to get to win, but you have to take those shots too. Yeah, it's unbelievable those shots. Um, by the way, what was it like? Yeah, they are being in the in the locker room and you saw what happened to your teammate and friend Alir Latifi, and then you have to go out and fight. Right? Did that was that weird? Well, just you know, you just need to be professional in that type of situations. You can't get emotions to take over. I was pissed because. I was. Uh, I just saw that happen, and I, and I got really pissed. But I just need to, like, you know, like forget that and and, and focus on my own thing and my own fight, basically. And and uh, yeah, that was that was it. And and uh, you know, I I talked to Hiller right after, and you know, he's you know, it, it hurts. It hurts to to to, uh, to lose that way. Uh, but just you know i think he i think maybe he broke he broke his thumb or something but other than that he's fine okay physical he's fine but you know he hurts in, in the soul <laughs> right right yeah i always feel bad for the teammate who has to go on after seeing that happen to your friend and teammate i'm sure it kind of messes with you for a second right before you walk out right yeah no i was just i just saw that and like you know i just got pissed right away like but uh, you know i just I just knew that I have to, I have to forget that and then and, 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 and focusing on, on, on my own challenge. And it worked, you know, but uh, yeah, it's not fun to see your teammate lose like that. No. Um, so in a perfect world, do you want to fight again this year? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. And will you be, do, you know, will you go back a little bit to San Diego and to Thailand? I know you went a little bit or, or for now you're going to stick in, uh, in Sweden. Uh, for now, I'm going to stick in Sweden, uh, but, but uh, I, who knows? I'm probably going to go over for for for, uh, for some training in, in Alliance too. Okay. If uh, if I get a fight, we're going to plan the camp and see. Depends where it is too. If it's if it's in in, in the US, it, it makes sense to to come over and train. Right, right. Uh, and I miss those guys too. So 
Sure. Uh, well, uh, congratulations, Alex. Uh, you know, good to have you back. Good to have you back on track. And uh, I know it was a very important one for you. So uh, congratulations. Enjoy the victory and looking forward to your next one. Thank you for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Okay, there he is. The Mauler, Alexander Gustafson. Big win for him. Uh, back on track now at 205. And 205 can certainly use him. Uh, a, a shortage of, of, of talent and interesting names. Slowly but surely, some are coming up. Uh, I think of the likes of Misha Serkinov and uh, Nikita Krylov. You know, there are some names coming up, but uh, it has been a bit slow at 205 these days. So having a familiar face and a draw like Alexander Gustafsson in particular in Sweden is, uh, is definitely important for the UFC. Still ranked number two in that division. And he is coming off a big win over Jan Blachowicz of Poland. Nice scene if you didn't see it on social media of them celebrating together, kind of toasting each other with some beer in the hotel. Uh, Not so sure if it was celebrating per se, but you get the point. Um, So kudos to him. Congratulations. And curious to see what what they do for him next. The John Jones situation might not work out. Uh, I'm told there's an October 10th Nevada Athletic Commission hearing, which could feature John Jones, um, Nate Diaz, and Conor McGregor because of the whole press conference thing, and Brock Lesnar. But until that happens, and until we know what kind of punishment he's going to get from the NAC and USADA, kind of crazy to even talk about what's next for John Jones. Uh, Let us move along. Let's stick in that light heavyweight division and go to my main man, King Mohamed Lawal. It has been a long time since we talked to King Mo. And you know, this past weekend, I was thinking about him two times because I went to a local indie show and I saw some MMA fighters on it. Shayna Baszler, Matt Riddle, Dan Severn, and then of course the CM Punk experiment. I said, who better than King Mo? And to talk about this whole craziness. So now here we have him, King Mo on the phone. King Mo, you there? Yeah, man, I'm here. What's up, man? Oh, what's going on, King Mo? It has been a while. Uh, good to have you on the show, and thank you for being flexible with the time. I appreciate that. So uh, let's let's talk about Punk. What did you think of the whole thing, the whole experiment, and then the payoff on Saturday? What did you think? Well, here's the thing, man. Like, you know, he knew the sport. He jumped in head first. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I could tell he felt good. The crowd didn't get to him, but when he got in the cage, his nerves got to him. Um, because when the fight started, instead of settling down and moving around a little bit, he shuffled forward in kill mode. You know what I'm saying? Without behind, not, not using any of his tools, because he's at the good camp. You know, uh, Duke Rufus knows his thing. He knows his stuff, man. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he was like, when you go out there, faint, use your jabs, you know, set something up. But CM Punk was in kill mode and just forgot, just didn't implement the game plan. From, from what I'm thinking, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it, it, it takes practice. It takes time. You know what I'm saying? I, I hope to give him the chance to um, redeem himself because, you know, when I talked to him about him doing this, he, he told me, like, I, I can't live and not fight, not try to fight one time. Hmm. Well, he fought, but he really he didn't get, give himself a chance to show his true skills. Did you think it was a mistake to book him against someone like Mickey Gall with his skill set? What, what else can you do? You know, you know, all you can do is all you can do is uh, go out there and try and sit the fight up and see what happens because anything can happen. What if CM Punk threw a jab and an overhand right and clipped him? You know, anything can happen in the fight game. No, no victory is guaranteed. So, you know, um, maybe they can give him like a, a, a someone else a fight, and he can build up on his skills. You know, hopefully he can go through a camp without getting injured mm. or dealing with these negative injuries from taking all those bumps. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just hope that you know he. He, you know, heals up, goes back in the gym, starts training, keeps learning. 
Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a lot was made of the performance, and of course, it was rather one-sided. Do you take away any positives from what you saw? Did you see anything sub-defense, anything at all? Is there is there any silver lining there as far as the actual performance is concerned? Yeah, my silver lining is he's a fighter. Hmm. And my, here's why I say this. Any other man, any normal man, would have tapped when he's getting beat up like that hmm. and would have quit. Man, he didn't quit. He was getting pummeled. He, he, got, he got put in every bad position. He was flattened out, getting hit. And you know what? He kept on trying. You know what I'm saying? Any, they're people. They're people. They're vets. There's a, there's some champions out there. They have tapped the strikes. But you know what? He kept on fighting and got submitted. You know what I'm saying? So I, I can give him. I can give him that. Like he went out there to win. He tried. That's and that's all you can ask. You know. Um, next time he'll do better. Okay. So now the internet. I don't know if you know this, but everyone is going crazy over his disclosed pay. They just released it. Ohio did, and. Uh, and, and and the disclosed pay is five hundred thousand, and people are there's all these hot takes going on. Talk some sense. Is he worth five hundred thousand? If, if and, and let's not talk about pay per view, you know, points and all this stuff. Five hundred thousand, five hundred thousand for CM Punk. What do you think of that number? You know what? Here's the thing. Um, hindsight, yeah, he's worth that. You know why? Because if he would have fought sooner, the hype would have been even bigger. Mm. But the injuries and the delay kind of messed everything up. But if you don't fight this like shortly after he got signed, man, that type of view would have easily done over a million, in my opinion. Because yep. at that time, he was still hot. People were asking questions like, what's going on? He's still hot, but when he had the injuries and he was like not not in the limelight, he was just quiet and he was, you know, he was like kind of in Hillary, Hillary Clinton mode. You know what I'm saying? People kind of just like eased up on it. But after the after he signed for the UFC the first time, or not the first time, but right, right when it happened, you know, he they could rode that wave and had a fight sooner and, uh, it would have been, it would have been, you know, it would have been bigger. My man John Pollock of the Fight Network tweets that if he added seventeen thousand pay per view buys, that equals five hundred thousand dollars. So when you break it down like that, I'm pretty sure he added at least seventeen thousand pay per view buys, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's just that you know, here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Like I think so, but you can't forget pay per views a dying art with pro wrestling because now they have the WWE Network and people really don't pay for pay per views no more. Right. Everybody streams them, so. I, I I think I think you know off his hype alone and his name alone. Yeah, he probably you know he did well over seventeen thousand buys. But you know personally, you know people people were intrigued, people tuned in and watched. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> they can complain about him being wor- not worth five hundred thousand dollars, but all the people complaining probably watched the fight. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're if you're the UFC, do you bring him back? I you know what I do. I bring him back. Really? Okay. Yeah, I bring him back. Yeah, man, he wants to fight. You know, I, I think that it's great, you know, when a, um, a guy like that puts in time and effort and, you know, puts it all on the line. People say that, oh, he shouldn't be in the UFC, but the UFC signed him. So, you know what? Give him a chance. Like, let him fight out his contract. This is a dream for him. Just like when Herschel Walker fought. Herschel Walker wanted to fight. They wanted to fight. They gave him a chance. He did it. So it's interesting that you bring up Herschel Walker, Mo, because I thought the mistake that the the promoters did with Herschel Walker was they didn't build up the opponent at all. And of course, he beat the opponent, Greg Nudge, Scott Carson, but we knew nothing about those guys. So if he slipped on a banana peel, you would have been left with nothing. But with Mickey Gall, they actually did a pretty good job of building him up too. And then he gets on the mic and he calls out Sage Northcutt. So that's why I feel like this was a win-win for everyone involved. Punk got you know his wish. He gets to fight in the UFC. The UFC now gets a prospect out of Mickey Gall, and Gall wins, sort of, you know, 
keeping the sanctity of the octagon intact and the guy doesn't come off the street and wins. You know what I mean? I kind of feel like it was a win-win for everyone. Yeah, yeah, it was. But, you know, here's the thing. You can't, that's not fair to say he came off the street. Because, man, he been, he's fair. been doing jiu-jitsu yeah. for a while. Granted, he couldn't show it because he was getting punched. You know, punches change jiu-jitsu. He'd been training for two years with, uh, with Duke Rufus, putting in work. You know, I text him here and there, check up on him, see how he's doing, and see if he's feeling good. And, man, he, he was serious about it. You know, you can see his body change. He was pumped up. You know, the lesser man would have just found a way to not take the fight or right. find a way to pull out, but he didn't. He stepped up to, stepped up to the plate and took a, took a swing. Do you still watch pro wrestling? Yeah, yeah, right now. Like, you know, I'm big on uh, Broken Matt Hardy and Brother Nero. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I know who Matt Hardy is, but you yeah. know, I'm out of the game. No, but it, 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 it's good. It's Broken Matt Hardy. Broken Matt. Broken Matt Hardy is a new name. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, Broken Matt Hardy. He man, he changed the whole game up, man. <laughs> broken Matt Hardy and Brother Nero. What? what, what you got peep it though. Where does he wrestle, Matt Hardy, these days? Uh, he's doing indie shows in TNA. You know, uh, he has a thing. It's weird because he talks different. Just. Here's a thing called Final Deletion and Final Deletion Part 2. <laughs> Check that out. It, it, it's crazy, but it's good, though, man. I like it. Okay, so let me ask you this. It seems like uh, WWE mocked CM Punk last night. Did you see this? I saw it. I saw it. What do you make of that? <laughs> it was, you know what? It's, it's a rib. They all do that. You know, um, they, they, talk, they talk about Brock Lesnar. You know, it, it is what it is. This is part of the game. Eh, I thought it was in poor taste. I mean, here's a guy going out there actually fighting, and you're going to be like, play, and I know they're involved in this lawsuit and everything, which seems kind of bogus to begin with. But come on, I don't know. I thought it was in poor no, taste. No, no, no. I, listen, listen. I, I'm not, I'm not with it. But the thing is that it's part of that's yeah. wrestling culture. They do that. They'll take shots at you for for anything. It don't matter. Hmm. So, so you think, based on what you know, you think he'll fight again? You know what? I think he will. Okay. I think he'll fight again. I'm, well, I'm, I'm ho- I think he. I think he wants to. I don't know if the UFC will allow it because you know I don't really know what the UFC is doing. I don't, you know, I don't sure. really keep up with them. I just keep up with my fighters. I'm cool with in the UFC, but I hope he gets a chance to fight again. If he don't, hey, come on over to Bellator, dog. We'll get you a fight <laughs> over there too. <laughs> I was. I said that if the UFC released him. Coker will be on the, the, the phone a minute later signing him, right? I mean, it totally makes sense. Yeah, we'll, we'll, book, him, yeah. we'll book him up. Get Scorpio Sky. So this is an amateur wrestler, Scorpio Sky. I mean, an amateur wrestler. He's a, um, he's a, he does amateur MMA, but he's a pro wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Out of uh-huh. California. Okay. I'm, they can set that fight up. So what, what, what do you think of Mickey? 70. Do you think he has potential? Uh, I guess, man. He came to the American Top Team uh, um, a while, like last year, and he, he was showing some man. He's 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 tough man. He has some skills. Um, just you know, he can the beat when he's confident. That's that's for anybody. Um, so I was also thinking about you on Friday night because I went to this show in this uh, little church in Cleveland, basement of a church. And uh, it was an indie pro wrestling show, AIW, Absolute Intense Pro Wrestling or Intensity Pro Wrestling. And and uh, not only was Dan Severin competing, but also Matt Riddle, the bro himself, and I got his t-shirt right here, and Shayna Baszler were also competing. There's the Matt Riddle shirt right there. And I thought of you, of course, because you attempted to make the switch over from MMA uh, to pro wrestling while you were still an active MMA fighter. They have taken a break. Are you familiar with what these two are doing, and particularly Matt Riddle? Because I was kind of blown away by both of them. They, they, they wrestled. Look, I don't watch it as much, but... 
they came out sort of as MMA fighters, and it felt very real, and that was interesting to me. Have have you heard anything about their buzz, and and if so, what do you think about how they're doing? Well, I, I've seen, I saw Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle's pretty damn. He's pretty damn good. Okay. Uh, I'm actually impressed with what he's done. Tina Beza, I, I've been really seeing her work, but from what I've seen and you know of talking to her, she 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 the she she's gonna make it far. She'll she'll be a she'll probably. If she keeps on, if she sticks with it and stays serious and stays healthy, she'll, she'll end up like going possibly to WWE. I think. Yeah. Matt Riddle is the same, same, same as well. They, they're good. They're, they're pretty damn good. Are you surprised? Are you surprised that they're doing so well? No, I'm not surprised because it's like it's like it takes people with imagination and personality, will, and, and 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 if they're pro wrestling fans, they'll do they'll they'll do good at pro wrestling. They have to respect it and just go ahead. It takes time. You just can't jump up in there and be like, you know what? I'm going to be the best. Well, it takes time. You have to put in that work. And once you put in that work, you listen to the right people, then you'll become, you know, good at pro wrestling. So so why didn't it work for you? Well, the thing is, like, I could work matches, but I was too involved in MMA still. Ah. Like, I, you know, we still do wrestling matches at, at ATT. Really? At TWF. You know, I wrestled Stevie, Stevie Richards uh, last year. What? You know, uh, we still, I, I, yeah, I was on Stevie Richards. I took a Stevie kick. <laughs> yeah, you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't. What is ATTWF? Yeah, you know, um, is this open to the public? AT, yeah, the ATTWF. <laughs> we go hard. And as a matter of fact, they're having a show this October at the, at the gym. I can't, I was booked to appear, but I can't make it because my boy's fighting, so I'm going to corner him. But the next show, we'll bring you down, dog. And we'll show you how we get down. Well, America top team. Wait, so is this open to the public? Yeah, it's open. It's for, it's for the kids and everything. We do it for the kids, <laughs> but we have a belt. We have man, we go hard, man. We have to have belts. Whoa, you know, top rope action. Yeah, we we bring in stars. Like you know, I'm gonna try to holler up some people at Ring of Honor to see if they could take my spot. You know what I'm saying? Well, since I'm gone, where are you gonna be? I, my boy's fighting up there in uh, Alberta. Oh, who's your boy? It's gonna be cool. Uh, Ryan Ryan Quinn, aka Quinn Swaggle. Okay. <laughs> is he Irish? Yeah, uh, he's half Irish, half Italian, but we call him Quinn Swaggle. You know what I'm saying? Just because you know he's a big wrestling fan. Who, who's the uh, the champ of the ATTWF? This, this champ, well, he got stripped from the belt. Micah Micah Miller, aka Sydney Jones. <laughs> Actually, I call him Cindy Jones. He was the belt holder, but due to injury, he got stripped of the belt. Oh, snap. Who's and me and Stevie Richards, we had a match with the belt, but then, you know, someone interfered in the, the match. There was no contest. Are you are you talking about, like, Stevie Richards from right to censor and, and like, back in the day? Yes, yes. The BWO? Yes, Stevie. Back wow. Stevie. Yeah, the BWO Stevie. <laughs> Damn. I didn't know he was a part of the ATTWF. Yeah, man. We got, we got Wes Briscoe. Um, I'm a... I'm a, we got, we got, you know, we're going to bring in more people. West Briscoe is part of the ATTWF as well. Um, ben Ortiz from Ring of Honor, part of the ATTWF. Damn. We go hard out there. Um, have you ever talked to, I'm sure you have, but I'll ask anyway. Dan Lambert, have you seen his belts, his belt collection? I haven't seen his belt collection, but... Uh, you know about we, this, right? We talked about it. Yeah, I know about it. It's pretty impressive. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. I've seen a picture of it and it's just... It's amazing how many damn belts the guy has. Um, by the way, speaking of of ATT, um, any thoughts on on Robbie Lawler pulling out of the fight? Do you have any idea why? Hey, man, it's like this. You know, um, I don't think. I first personally, me, I think that Robbie should shouldn't fight till like December, January. Take time off because these past two years, man, at the gym, 
Robbie's been going to max. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Take the time to recharge because Cerrone, you know, Cerrone's a good fighter. It's a great fight for the fans, but, you know, what, why rush it? Cerrone ain't going nowhere. Cerrone's always in shape, always ready. So once Robbie recharges, if Cerrone wants to fight Robbie, then they can fight. Okay, so because that's also what I heard that he just wanted a little more time. So it's strictly that, right? Yeah, yeah, man. But Robbie, uh, he's always in shape. It's just that, you know, why rush it? You know, the past two years, man, his schedule, his fights, man, take some time for your family, take some time for yourself, recharge. You know, after his last three fights, the next, the next, the next, the following Monday, he's back in the gym, lifting weights and doing something. So he really doesn't step away from the gym. He has to be forced out by Coach Cammy. So like, hey, go home. You know, go go do something. Like, go fish, go mow your line, go do something. Go swimming. You know, they have to push him out there because he always wants to be in there. Yeah. Um, you weren't in his corner at 201, right? I was there. You were there? In his corner? Yeah. Yeah, man. I just, man, I lay low, man. You do lay low. Oh, geez. I lay low. I saw you in the Condit corner, but I, didn't, I, guess, I guess I couldn't. I was on the other side of the cage. I was on Woodley's side, so I didn't see you there. Um, damn, you yeah, do lay there. low. Yeah. What'd you think? What'd you think? Like, what, what went wrong? Was it just, you know, a bad night overall? You no, know, nothing went wrong. You know, like, like nothing went wrong. Really, um, we just kind of, we, you know, when you're facing, when you're a softball, you're facing an orthodox fighter with a good right hand, you don't want to circle to your left unless you're going to counter him. Well, we circled to our left and we didn't get the counter off. We, I guess we just looked like we misjudged the, um, the, the right hand coming and it was like a looping a looping right hand that came underneath or slightly under, over the arm. And we just see you know, him misjudge it. But, man, it just in a fight game, anything can happen, man. One punch, one kick, one knee, one elbow. Right. It's over. By the way, what do you make of this uh, Kyle Snyder, Olympic gold medalist, who says he wants to, to go to the UFC? Does he – Did you? I mean, obviously he's never done MMA, but do you feel like he's uh, – you know, he's a, he's a guy who has those skills that he, he could potentially be a monster in there. He's a big boy. Yeah, man. He has, he has, he has a lot of potential. You know, uh, young still, you know what I'm saying? He wants to, wants to go to the UFC. Uh, you know, it's, a lot of wrestlers, you know, she said, still dream to go to the UFC or go fight or go make money outside of wrestling. So, hey, I hope, if he gets to, I hope he gets the right team hmm. and uh, gets the right people and he'll be he'll be a star. Let's go with you. ATT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got the ATT, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know, when, when he's done wrestling, when he's done wrestling, I wanted to win a few more medals. Oh, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay, so let's talk about you. The last time we saw you, Mo, it, it was in uh, in May, just, you know, one of those nights. Do you, I mean, first of all, have you watched it again, the fight against Phil Davis? Have you seen it since? I was, yeah, man. Yeah, I've seen it, man. I thought I won, man. I, 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 I thought I won, um, but I guess they, they count black kicks. I talked to somebody, and they're like, yeah. Black kicks do damage too, and I'm like, uh, okay. And that's what I, I'm dead serious. They're like, yeah, black kicks, we, we score those. Hmm. And I was like, just score black punches too? And they're like, well, it depends <laughs> on the damage. And I'm like, how can I determine if black kicks do damage to people's arms that are still throwing punches? Yeah. But it so, is what it is, man. So I'm hoping, like, hoping that. Sorry. Uh, go, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I hope I can get a chance to you know bring it back. You know there are a few, there are a bunch of fi- few fights I thought I won that I just for some reason I guess the judges don't like Mo. <laughs> um, do you know what's next yet? Uh, nah, man. Um, 
I, I'm just waiting, you know. I'm just in training, chilling, waiting. You know, I, I heard Shane Carwin is looking to fight again. Oh, I wouldn't mind fighting Shane Carwin if he wants to come back. Oh. I'll fight anybody, man. Money weight, you know what I'm saying? So anybody that's available to fight, you know, I'm down to fight. Wow, Shane Carwin. Yeah, he announced last week that he's now a free agent. Uh, I've been told that Bellator is interested. Early talks. That's a big boy. You don't think he'll be too big? Man, look. <laughs> look at the old school MMA fights back in the day. That's right. <laughs> I ain't hear I ain't hear Keith Hacking complaining about size. That's right. You know, I, I don't care. But, you know, if, 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 if I if I can make that weight, I'm gonna fight you. You know, um, like Shane Carlin's a man. He has heavy hands. I sparked him before. He touched me up a few times. Oh. But it's, it's a fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm about making. I'm probably getting paid. It's a fight. So Shane Carlin, I like. That. What do you think of the overall mood now at Bellator with Rory coming over, Benson came over not that long, Matt Matrione? Are, are you are you sensing a, a shift here? Are you sensing some some good vibrations? Oh yeah, man! Like yeah, everybody's happy, everybody's cool. You know the shows, are, the cards are getting better and better. The competition's getting up there, morale is up. You know, I, I you know I I wish every organization had the same had the same issues we do. Hmm. Uh, you know, good good fights, good morale, because MMA needs it. Who's who's the next big one you want to see come over? Uh, as far for MMA, uh, I'm ready to see Aaron Pico. Oh yeah, you know I want to see him. Yeah, I'm ready. He has hands. The boy is legit. How I'm far? Ready to see Aaron Pico, how far away do you think he is? Uh, but here's the thing: like, I I, I hope Bellator match gets a fight, but I want to see him win a. A medal as well because he's young. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, we want. I, I still, I'd like from the wrestle still, and win some medals, but at the same time, take some fights here and there because he's very skilled. He has great hands. He's a great wrestler. Ain't nobody taking him down. He's a. He'll be. You know, he's he's a star. Um, what about Japan? Are, are you still you know a possibility for Ryzen, or are you going to be Bellator only for for the foreseeable future? I, I'm down for I'm down for Ryzen. It's just that man, like you know. They, there's some things you know what I'm saying like I, I ain't gonna talk bad about them okay. they're a great organization but there's some things that you know I just that, that I like to clear up with them first oh like what that's about it yeah, baby, I told you I could talk about it <laughs> but you brought <laughs> you it up you brought it up I know but I'm saying hey <laughs> have they I'll not the have they not have they not paid you <laughs> yeah I, you know um, uh oh yeah yeah I, I, that's all, all it has to do with the pay, payment and like that there's other things you know what I'm saying Hmm. This is bizarre. So until this gets cleared up, you have no interest in fighting for them. Well, no, no I have interest. I have interest in fighting for them. Don't get me wrong, but just, I would like to talk about talk about some more things before I fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, this is I, I, you know I'll tell you off the record. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Let's go off the record right yeah. now. Now we're off the record. Tell me. Yeah, the record, <laughs> hey, because the, the thing's still rolling. I ain't done. <laughs> you think, hey, you think I'm Mark Burns? You said that Pat the dude, Pastor Mark Burns, dude, is supporting Donald Trump? No. Yeah, him? That was good. That, I, he, got buzzed, he got cut up line. Yeah, he did get cut. I, don't I ain't no Mark Burns. <laughs> it was worth a shot. It was worth a shot. Um, so, do, <laughs> no. do you, will you fight again this year, though? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm hoping two times this year. Oh, oh two times. Wow. Wh- who do you think wins? Yeah, I'm hoping. Phil Davis or Liam McGeary? Who do you got? Uh, you know what? I'm cool. With, I'm cool with I'm cool with both of them, but I'm rolling with Liam. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, I'm, I'm just rolling with Liam. Uh, Liam's my dog. You know what I'm saying? The black Pikey, the black <laughs> Mister Bean. That's my dog, man. Phil is cool, but I'm I'm closer to I'm closer to Liam. The black Mister Bean. I like that. 
Because of yeah. the accent or any other reason? Yeah, yeah, the accent is how he dresses too. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and how he walks. He watch you. He watch you British. You know, it's weird. Like, but watch real like, like Mr. Beanish. Wow, I never noticed that. He's been in studio. I didn't notice he uh, he walked like Mr. Bean. I'll have to check that out. Um, wow, yeah, it, watch him. It's been good. It's been good to catch up, Mo. It has been a while. Yeah, man. You, you, what about you? You doing good? I'm doing good. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I'm doing okay. I can't complain. Staying out of trouble. Uh, Staying out of trouble. And how's the regime, how's the regime tre- um, change treating you? Oh, how's that? well, I got percentage of the of the. No, I'm just joking. Um, they're fine. They're actually it's 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 actually really nice. It, it feels that whole thing that happened a couple months ago. It feels like it was ten years ago. Everyone couldn't be nicer. Good, good, good. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's um, what's up. Well, I wanted to. I just wanted to to catch up and uh and get your thoughts on this whole crazy you know we we you know how it is the MMA purists they sometimes forget that you know the 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 roots of MMA are definitely in pro wrestling and it, you know what you know what's funny and I noted this on Saturday Overeem comes out to the pride song and all these people are going nuts and some of those people were the same people who were saying the punk thing was crazy but that was pride 101 right i mean that that was straight out yeah, of the yeah. pride playbook right pride was pro wrestling to a T yeah so it's, as a matter of fact, when MMA was big, pro wrestling was big, and vice versa in Japan. So right, yeah, not not the first time, and dare I say, not the last time that something like this is going to happen. Uh, great to get your insight, my yep. man. Thank you very much. Glad to hear everything's doing well with you. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for being flexible, and we'll talk to you very soon. Always a pleasure, King Mo. All right, man. Take it easy, bro. You're the man. There he is, King Mohammed Lawa. Love talking to King Mo. Yeah, that was some uh, disappointing news uh, this past weekend that we got um the first fight that really came out that was you know truly i guess sort of official for ufc 205 none of the fights are official just yet but the first one was kind of donald cerrone versus robbie lawler and then two days later the fight is off unfortunately now the story that i was told was essentially what he told us and that's Robbie just needs more time. And if I'm being honest, when this was even being rumored, I was thinking, yeah, I mean, this kind of feels a little bit too soon for Robbie Lawler. He just got knocked out. Um, he's been very active, fighting a lot of five-round fights. And, you know, he's coming back, what? Less than four months, three months and change after he gets knocked out by Tyron Woodley. Um, Donald Cerrone told us a very funny story on Saturday. In fact, he came to the scrum with a Budweiser bottle in his jacket pocket. And every couple of minutes, he was just taking a sip of it. Um, But he told us that Robbie Lawler called him up in Cleveland, asked him where he was. Cerrone told him, went to meet him at the restaurant just to tell him face to face that he was not going to be able to fight. I mean, how crazy is that? How cool is that? Kind of just fits who both of those guys are. And Cerrone said that a a piece of, of his inner fan died inside when Lawler told him the news. He was so disappointed. Everyone was very disappointed. I kind of feel like the only fight that they can make that would curb some of that disappointment is Nick Diaz, Donald Cerrone. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Kind of feel like they might want to save DS for GSP. There's a lot of moving parts. UFC 205 is one big moving part. Still not done. I mean, UFC 205 is happening two months from today. 
two months from today is UFC 205. There is not a single fight officially announced for it. Now, we know some of them. Um, I, Quinta Alves. We reported Volante de Lima. Um, Wyman Romero isn't done just yet. And of course, the big one is the main event. And I think once they secure the main event, a lot of dominoes will fall. And I think that the the dream main event as of right now is Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez. That's the dream main event. But that's not even close to done. Conor McGregor emerged on Saturday on TMZ talking about the uh, the CM Punk fight, saying fair play to him, much props. But that fight is not agreed. That fight is not signed. That fight is not even booked. I mean, it is quite the quick turnaround for Conor McGregor. And again, as I think I said last week, another example how the decision to pull him from 200 can affect a card like this because had he fought at 200, probably would have been enough time. But he fights August 20th. Talk about turning around after a five-round fight like that to fight November 12th is uh, is quite the ask. So what if they don't get Conor McGregor for whatever reason? What's the backup? We we know already that Ronda Rousey is not available. What's big enough for MSG? Fascinating story. This is the card that they have been working towards for years. The big debut at Madison Square Garden. And two months out, still no main event. Now, I have no doubt that it's going to be a stack card, that it's going to be fun. But it always feels like when we're always building towards one particular card as opposed to a 202 or 203, it's just hard to get everything in line. It's hard to get all the stars aligned. So that's going to be a fascinating story to monitor. Also fascinating, a lot of the champions, because there were so many fights booked over the summer, a lot of the champions are now playing this waiting game. Um, Okay, now, of course, Miocic is going to take a break, and I certainly think that that's the right call. Uh, Not only did he take some big shots on Saturday, but uh, he, you know, he fought in May, won the belt, came rather quickly as far as a turnaround is concerned, and, and fought in September. Then you have DC. We don't know when he's going to fight. Um, Bisping's fighting in October in less than a month, so that's that's squared away. Woodley, assuming now it's going to be Wonder Boy, that they're sort of back on track, but n- nothing booked just yet. And I think that's another domino that will fall once they figure out the 205 main event situation. Eddie Alvarez, part of that domino. Uh, Connor at 145, part of that domino. Domino Cruz, no fight just yet. Assuming it's going to be Cody Garbrandt. Uh, Demetrius has a fight against a tough winner in December. Nothing yet for Joanna. I think that's another domino. And uh, Amanda Nunes, who all signs seem to point to December 30th against Ronda Rousey, but nothing there just yet. So there's a lot of uncertainty right now. A lot of fights that need to be booked. A lot of dates... But a lot of the champions are waiting to get their number called upon. Okay, uh, let's move along. Uh, Bellator is back on Friday. It's a show in uh, Cedar Park, Texas. It's Bellator 161. The main event is Czech Congo versus Tony Johnson. And one of the intriguing fights on said card is uh, a female fight. Anastasia Yankova is fighting on the card. It's her second fight for Bellator. She's fighting Veta Artiega, and Anastasia is joining us right now via the magic of Skype. There she is right over there. Anastasia Yankova, one of the big prospects for Bellator. How are you, my friend? 
It is good to have you on the program. So uh, here we are. You're in San Jose right now, right? Um, now I'm in AK. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're in a- AK. So you uh, you spent part of this camp uh, AK Thailand and now AK in San Jose, correct? Yes, I started my training camp in Thailand and I finished my training camp here in San Jose, in California, in AK San Jose. Yes. So are you a full time AK member now? Is that your team? Um, yes, it's my team. It's Mike Swick is my coach, my head coach, and yes. Okay, Mike Swick. A uh, long-time veteran of the sport. So um, there's a lot of buzz surrounding you right now. There's uh, you know, a lot of hype surrounding you. Bellator is pushing you very much. Are you surprised how quickly all of this is happening for you? Because you know, you're only 3-0 as a pro MMA fighter, 2-0 when you came into Bellator. Uh, are you a little surprised that all this is happening so fast? Uh, yes, I understand what you mean. Um, Sometimes it's really surprise for me because uh, I don't uh, wait uh, that people um, know me. Uh, I um, the people come to AK for autograph for photo with me. It's really surprise for me. I yes for sure I I want it, but I think before I think I need uh, more time for for this. You know for sure. It's pleasure, it's honor for me that I uh, finish my training and uh, uh, go to home for rest. And uh, I see people, then they say to me, I can uh, photo with you and uh, I can your signal in your photo. And uh, for sure, and um, before I don't think that it's, it will be happen now, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially in the United States, um, are any of these people weirdos that come up to you for photos, or are they all nice? Crazy people, I mean, just in internet. Okay. In, in life, I'm lucky maybe, but I meet only really friendly and good people, and uh, it, this meet is pleasure for me. Yeah, I, I saw uh, a couple of months ago you you wrote something on Instagram about the the crazy people on the internet. Um, how do you how do you block those people out? Like, is it that just a constant? You're always getting crazy messages from fans and just random strangers online. Sure. Thank you, Mike. Чтобы я там ударила их, например, между ног или еще что-нибудь. Это или посидение на коленях, там, ну, какие-то странные такие желания. Вот. Но сейчас мне это уже перестало удивлять. Я поняла, что действительно странных людей очень-очень много. И, ну, так, наверное, мир устроен. И что в России, что в Америке одинаковое количество таких людей. Да, ну, 
Um, at first, it was, you know, a little shocking. Uh, you know, she just never realized that there's that many weird people in the world. Uh, you know, the, the requests range from, can you kick me in the groin, to can I sit on your lap, to just whatever you can think of. Huh. But uh, by now, she's kind of used to it. And uh, the good thing is that there's an equal balance of weird people in Russia as there are in the U.S. and the rest of the world. So I guess the weirdos from all over the world uh, are just equally weird. Okay, uh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, let me let me ask you a, a very blunt question. If you did not look the way you look, do you think that you'd be in Bellator? Yes, I think so. That's pretty. That's the. I, Я считаю, что я была бы в Золотой да, возможно, мне потребовалось больше времени, но для того, чтобы люди узнавали меня на улице, но я думаю, что я была бы на том месте, на котором я должна быть, на котором я сейчас do you constantly feel the pressure as you now, you know, get to get the opportunity to fight in your second Bellator fight to prove that you belong? Like, not everyone has to constantly prove that they belong, but because you have somewhat of a bullseye on you, because you're very good looking, because you get a lot of attention, people want to say like, oh, she's just a pretty face. But do you feel the need to have to continue to prove to people that you're much more than just a pretty face? Um, I need time. Uh, because for sure I have only one fight in Bellator now and uh, for sure people don't know about me as about fighter. Just only one fight is it's not say about me a lot of, you know. But um, give me a little bit time and uh, I'm sure um, people don't really talk talking about me just uh, about my face and, uh, you know, and uh, I'm training really hard for, um, for don't only my coach and uh, don't only uh, guys from my team know about uh, I can fight and uh, this Friday I can, I think I show that uh, and one more time, I show that I don't only pretty face and so on. Um, I was watching one of your pre-MMA fights. I think it was a Muay Thai fight, and you came out wearing this white mask. It was a very strange mask. It was like this with this long nose and stuff. What is that? What does that represent? Um, <laughs> Один выход на бой по кикбоксингу, когда я выходила в маске пилы из фильма. И почему я так сделала? И ну, скажи, что там были такие слова, то, что ты очень плохо вела себя с твоим соперницей. И теперь настало время провести со мной время эти раунды. Ну, в общем, как немножко повторила такую историю из этого фильма. Um, so the the mask was actually from the movie Saw. It was the mask that, uh, ah. that the character in Saw wore, and it was part of, I guess, like the the fight theme. Uh, she chose to the, the fight theme 
was, you know, hey, uh, you've been you've been mean to your opponents, so now it's time to face me in the ring. So kind of like a she transcended the, the little bit of the saw theme into the fight. So she just came out with a mask to kind of go along with it. Okay, so that was a one and done. You're you're not going to come out to the ring or cage with any masks anymore. Push them up. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Maybe in future, why not? I liked I it. Liked, it was uh, scary. It was good. <laughs> I like uh, not only show good fight. I like uh, surprises people, and why not? Little bit show. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Put on a show for everyone. Uh, you're also, which I can very much appreciate. Uh, a very big fan of sneakers, right? Of uh, of running shoes, uh, Jordans, right? You have a very big Jordan collection, correct? That's your favorite? Oh, yes. I'm a little bit crazy about shoes and about Jordan, uh, too, which is my favorite. And now I'm buy a little one new shoes. And uh, every time I um, make really problem um, because I travel a lot of time and uh, every time I... A lot of money for you know for more um, suitcase because what huh. more suitcase my are uh, full of journals and full of uh, sneakers and I know it's it's crazy but I still like it. <laughs> Which is your favorite Jordan? Is there a particular one that's your favorite? Oh, I like um, for sure classic. It's um, but now. Um, 11, 11 model is, oh my God. 11, that's my favorite too. Really? Yeah, that's my favorite. With the patent leather, the white and the black? Um, You have good, uh, no, no, I like, um, now it's cold color. It's, oh my God, it's so, so nice. <laughs> um, you have good taste in it, right? Thank <laughs> because you. Because it's, it's classic and it's really, really good. Yes, that is, uh, what's the most that you've paid for a pair of Air Jordans? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I try um, not to be super crazy about this, but uh, sometimes I'm really. After five, I can buy a lot of shoes, and uh, after I. Uh, I cannot uh, have a big collection because I travel every time. I don't have home now. And uh, oh. every every my uh, shoes and uh, every my favorite colors, I with myself, you know, every yeah. time, and it's it's my problem. And uh, I try to buy a lot of now, but sometimes I'm a little bit uh, crazy about it. You understand? Yeah, you I understand. understand. You see it and you think, oh my god, I really need it, but maybe you don't need it in real, you know. Makes you happy. Yes. Make me happy for sure. So you don't have uh, an actual home. You don't have like a, pl- a like an address where you get mail and stuff. You have no home. <laughs> no, I'm not homeless. <laughs> oh. so, so so funny. <laughs> no, but okay. I, I train in AK Thailand. Yes. Uh, my parents in in Russia in Moscow. I tra- uh, I fight in America and in Europe uh, sometimes too and. Uh, I need time for training camp, um, two months. Yeah. I fly to AK, uh, AK Thailand for two months. And after, I need uh, acclimatization and, you know, just like and someone. I fly to uh, Europe or for 
to America. And uh, I had time every few weeks, maybe two weeks. And after I had little bit time to meet my parents, my family, my friends uh, in Moscow. Sometimes I have, sometimes not have. But for my next five clothes, I back to Thailand for training camp. Oh, uh, yeah. What uh, I mean? Are you a big deal in Moscow? Like when you go back home, do a lot of people recognize you? Are you in the news? Are a lot of people covering your fights? Yes, uh, it's time for media, for... Um, after fight, I think about, oh, I miss my friends, and uh, we will be hung out and eat tiramisu because I can't eat what I want a little bit time. But um, in real, it's uh, media and the journalists, and uh, for sure. Wait, did, after fight, and, did you just say tiramisu? So, yes, yeah, cheesecake. Yeah, oh, tiramisu, so. my favorite dessert also. This is unbelievable. What a connection. <laughs> tiramisu, my favorite. My mom, one day my mom will make you a tiramisu. She makes the absolute best. No one better. Wow, sounds good, okay? <laughs> yes. Um, okay, I also heard that your tattoos are very uh, important to you. They, they all mean something, right? Can you tell us about what's your favorite tattoo? Like, what's the, the symbolism behind it? Um, it it's um, not easy question because it's, um, it's my memory from um, one period in my life, time, time in my life, lesson from ah. th- this moment. And uh, for sure, it's uh, bigger, and uh, a lot of uh, journalists ask me about exactly this tattoo. It's a uh, fish, and uh, it's a uh, dragon. It's a um, Japanese story uh, about fish. They... Um, Sure, it's a hard work um, way and the uh, real uh, dragon and finish this way, you know. Uh, I make it after my first lose in professional ring, and uh, I go to my master, my authorities, and I say, I think um, I, I pick this way, and uh, maybe now I fish, but I will be dragon. Hmm. And uh, this tattoo about it, you know. And uh, I have tattoo Kali. Kali is uh, goodness from India. It's goodness um, about war, about um, die, about die weakness, you know. Um, it's idea about every day you you kill your weak, weak, you know, and you will be stronger. And the uh, Kali about this for me. And on the wow. tattoo, I have story like this. That's it's amazing. Not just a picture. Um, have you gotten a tattoo since your Bellator debut? Anything about that experience? Um, yeah, uh, it's um, from this time, from uh, time the tour fight, it's from time uh, when I first time uh, come to America and uh, I, you know, uh, last my year, almost year, uh, year, I travel every time and I meet new people every day and uh, Everything uh, changed 
so fast and the calibre this calibre changes every day, every time you you change yourself, you change your life and you don't scare it. You know, it's not about uh real life, you know, it's not about uh, comfortable maybe, but it's about um what inside you and what in, in your life, what with weakness, what with uh and uh, other things. Yes. Uh, this must be a pretty uh, daunting thing for a young woman who is from, you know, a place so far away like Russia and you're going to Thailand and you're on American TV and you're doing more media. Do you feel like you're handling all of this well? Do you wish you handled it better? What's it like dealing with this new celebrity that's that's come to your life? Yes. Yeah. Ну, ты, ты молодая девушка, мы тебе видим, у тебя как бы такой взрыв был, где ты на, на, на международном арене теперь, интервью и в Америке, и в Таиланде, и тащила сумел. Ты э, как с этим, э, как бы, человеком, нормально, или ты думаешь, что это очень быстро идет, или, и все нормально, ты, значит, для тебя это не... Just think I need to uh, continue hard work, hard training, and uh, don't lose my focus. And uh, But uh, now I have uh, all what I need for for improve my uh, fighting game and improve my English. <laughs> and um, no, I, I'm happy because it's life what, what I want before. Uh, and it's not surprise uh, in a way... Uh, in Russia, uh, maybe it um, sounds not super good for me, but uh, in Russia, I really, uh, many people know me, and uh, it's I like it, and uh, I like meet the guys who know me, and I like uh, motivated people, and uh, it's motivated me, you know, and uh, I like what I do, and uh, I really love what I do now. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy and just continue it and uh, don't lose focus. I think it's, it's okay. <laughs> I, I heard that you used to host your own morning workout show in Russia. Is that true? Um, yes, uh, sometimes I uh, really show um, a little bit workout for... Um, for people, not not athletes, not professional athletes, just yeah. for normal people. Yes, sometimes <laughs> I, I, I did it. You still do that, or no more? Uh, no, now it's it's impossible because I travel and uh, I in Russia I have a little, little, little time from all all my time. You know. Right. Yeah, uh, I could see that one landing on Spike. Maybe in the future, Spike TV. <laughs> Yeah, how about that? Let me get some of that. Uh, <laughs> um, you recently trained with Hoist Gracie. What was that like? Did you know who he was beforehand? Was that kind of crazy for you? Oh, for sure. I know. It's legend. Yes. And, uh, oh, before my um, uh, first fight in Bellator, uh, he came uh, me before, before fight in like uh, room. He came in. I don't say exactly what, but uh, it's really 
motivated me and uh, before this fight um, I met him and uh, he said uh, something things that really motivated me too because if you have advice for legend it's it's fantastic yeah because you know uh, he fighting and you see that I was year old yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy Uh, and uh, my training was here and uh, it's a really special, special day for me, for sure. It's, it will be a special day for every, every people who know about MMA, because if you know about MMA, you know it's really great for sure. Uh, when I think of a Russian MMA, I think of uh, Fyodor Emelianenko. Have you ever met him? Can you repeat it? Oh, uh, I said, when I think of Russian MMA, I think of Fyodor. Fyodor Emelianenko. Have you ever met him? Yes. I cannot say that Fyodor is my close friend now, but uh, yes, I met him. And uh, for sure, uh, if you ask all Russian fighters, all say you. Yes, in start my career, Fyodor uh, was be my motivator, my legend, my hero, and uh, I'm, I'm saying for sure. Hmm. Um, before I let you go, I want to ask you about uh, another fighter uh, in your division, Ilima McFarlane. She uh, seems to have this obsession with you. She fights for Bellator. She even tweeted me yesterday, and you, blowing you kisses... She says that there's a sexual tension between you two. What is going on here? Is she like a stalker or something? What's happening over here with you and McFarlane? Oh, my God. Uh, first time when I uh, read an interview um, about me uh, from uh, Lima, I read like a... She say about me, about a fight with me. It's um, nothing special, but... The time I thought, oh, I talking about uh, Ronda Rosie because she motivated me because it's really big star. I talking about Gina Carana because it's for me it's it's really my hero and uh, it's really for me, it's legend for me. But they you know, talking about me. But first time I think, mm, okay, well, why not? But um, I. Don't uh, talking about it uh, in interview. Okay, if she wanna talking about it, why not? But second time, um, it's really strange because uh, you know sexual attention, the someone. It's I'm, I'm really surprised. I was surprised, but um, I think we must really smart girl because use my name and use uh, words like uh, sexual attention. It, it's good. It's good for journalists. Journalists like it. And you now you're talking with me about Lima, not about other girls. I mm. think um, it's really smart trick, but um, I'm not stupid. I don't want to <clears throat> uh, make more popular your name uh, use my name, you know. Um, What about, I think, about this interview and uh, others? 
But if we're talking about fight, I'm ready, why not? And uh, if Bellator uh, thinks next fight or in future I need to fight with Lima, why not? I'm ready, I'm ready to fight with uh, all girls from my division, for sure. All right. Uh, well, I wish you the best in your second Bellator fight on Friday. We'll be watching. It's this Friday uh, from Texas, Bellator 161. Anastasia Yankova, one of the bright young stars for Bellator MMA. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank, Thank you, Mike, you. as well. Uh, Spasiba, as they say, right, over in Russia? How about that? <laughs> all right. Thank you and all the best to you. Good luck in your career. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. There she is. Anastasia Yankova, a bright young star for Bellator, fighting in her second Bellator fight against the undefeated Veta Artiega. So stay tuned for that. Also, Joe Warren on the card. And of course, as I mentioned, Czech Congo against Tony Johnson. That is the main event on Friday night. UFC also in Texas on Saturday. Dustin Poirier against Michael Johnson is the main event there. Also, Uriah Hall against Derek Brunson. So it's another busy weekend in mixed martial arts. Bellator on Friday, UFC on Saturday. But I'm not ready to put 203 to bed just yet. Let's bring in New York Rick. New York Rick, are you there? Yep. I am here. There he is. Hello. New York Rick. Got a bit of a pep in his step today. He was loving 203. You said one of your favorite events of the year, right? Did I don't know. Yeah? You hated sure. it? <laughs> what is that? My ring. That's your ringer? Yeah. What song is that? I'll tell you later. Um, why? Although I have my phone on silent. That's weird. Can't you just tell um, me why? Is that a bad thing? No, no, no. I'll tell you another time. But. What? It's bizarre. You let your phone ring on the air and you won't even tell me what the song is? I know the song. It's like, ah, I know that song. You do not know this song. I definitely you. know it. Um, Jay-Z? <laughs> no. But okay, was it my favorite event of the year? Probably not, but it was definitely the one that had me it was wacky. the most captivated. Yes, it was, it was very wacky. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, again, I know the whole pro wrestling thing, but it did feel like a pro wrestling, like the Edmund Verdum post-fight melee, if you will. That was pro wrestling-esque. Okay, let's run down the line here, okay? What's the final verdict on Punk? Based on what you saw, based on what you've now, you know, heard or read that, that he got paid. Yep. I'll ask you the same question that I asked Pollock. The experiment. Give it a grade. From whose perspective? UFC? Yeah. A plus. A plus. Wow. Better than Pollock. Paul gave it a B plus. I say A plus. Okay. Um, they got what they needed out of him. Yeah. Uh likely they won't have to um do it again if uh unless people want to and and if, pe- if people seem to be interested in seeing it again they can do it again they have that um still in their back pocket it didn't i don't think what even though the fight was one-sided they've eliminated the possibility of punk fighting again completely so he can't fight again he can oh he can i'm saying I, I'm not sure that there will be an appetite for it, but if there is, they haven't eliminated that completely. Why? Um, well, because it wasn't a situation where, um, you know, I, I don't think it was a situation where it was clear that it, in this case, 
a guy like Mickey was in there and it was clear that he was in a different um, in a different level. He was at a different level than CM Punk. If you were to say, hey, we're bringing in somebody who's also 0-1-1 or 0-0 or somebody around that same um, skill set, I think there will be people who are still be interested in seeing CM Punk. Um, now, it will still draw the same ire. The same people who said he shouldn't be here in the first place will now say he and his opponent shouldn't be here in the first place. But I don't think the possibility of him uh, fighting in the UFC again was completely eliminated. It, yeah. uh, it is still possible. Do you think they book him again? I have to imagine not um, because I don't think they want to get into this business of bringing in guys exclusively for other guys or girls. And, 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 you know, I, I don't think they want to get into that that business because, you know, then you have the Mike Jacksons um, and, and all these people that are one and done, um, potentially. I don't know if that's how they want to do it. What do you think of Mickey? It, you know, it's hard... Uh, it's hard to grade his performance because just the whole package, how he dealt with everything. In terms, uh, let, let's talk about okay. In terms of the performance, it you can't say anything other than um, a perfect score, just because he did what he needed to do there. It, what the only thing he could have possibly done better is if he punched him one time and knocked him out. Sure, um, but you it you can't really grade that because CM Punk was clearly not on his on his level. That's what he needed to do. So it's hard to say it's hard to gush over the performance because that's what he needed to do. But um in terms of how he's handling the things outside of the the cage itself and um you know how how he's handling this ride, uh I think he's been nailing it outside of one thing. The idea of him saying that he doesn't belong on the poster and yeah. CM Punk talked to him about that. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I don't agree. You can't. Sure. You can't have that mentality. Yeah. Um, you have to. You have to say that. You have to stake your claim. And I think his performance did that. But he has to. You know, um, follow that up by saying, uh, "I belong here." That was pretty cool that he said that to him right after. Yep. The fight was over. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. But again, I I think he did a. A really good job. Everything he said, even afterwards in the press conference, which again, I'm happy that they are doing them now with these sort of single press conferences so you really get a lot of time I'm, to talk to everyone. I'm going to say this, and uh, many people will not agree with me. Yes. I think both Mickey Gall and CM Punk passed this week with flying colors. Yeah. Um, like he lost say, and he's upset, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You, uh, leading up into this fight, the only thing that you heard from pretty much everybody was CM Punk's not a real fighter doesn't belong here um not a professional not a professional athlete um and couldn't make weight he's wasn't just gonna an make actor walk, blah, he's just blah, an blah. actor yeah 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 after defeat he handled it in a way that he didn't need to he he didn't need to be a professional after uh that performance he came in there put it all on the line and for the people that were you know shoveling crap at him for for all this time um he had no incentive to, to continue to be a professional after that. He could have told everybody to screw off. I just got uh, half a million dollars, lived my dream, piss off. Um, I'm, I'm doing whatever I want. Leave me alone. Um, but no, he stood there and uh, sat at the press conference and, t- and took his medicine and answered the questions and acted like a true professional. So whether, you know, whether he's um, capable of fighting in the UFC at this level or not is now clear. He's not, clearly. Um, 
But the, we, we always knew that, right? But we knew that. And what we, we, we didn't know was how he was going to deal with this adversity. Um, whether he would make the walk. Whether, exactly. Whether he'd make it this far. And he passed that with flying colors. So... The only um, thing that he didn't do was win. Everything else that he said he was going to do, he did. He brought way more attention to a card that was not going to do well on pay-per-view. We don't know the numbers, but the traffic was good, all that stuff. I see a lot of people belly aching about his pay. What did you think he was going to get? In fact, yeah. I thought if, if that's true and again, how many times do we have to tell you that those numbers always aren't right? I mean, almost every single time they're not. Okay, at the bottom of the card, I should say, like the 10 and 10s, those are usually accurate. At the top, there's always a bunch of stuff going on. But, and let's not forget about the pay-per-view points, which he got. But, but, who... Th- truly thinks that he's not worth $500,000. And especially when you break it down the way Pollock broke it down on Twitter, 17,000 extra pay-per-view buys equals 500,000 when you consider the costs. You don't think he brought 17,000? But, but what what is the argument against him getting that that money? I'm not understanding what's surprised what by the this surprise is the or the question. argument like in any job, not just fighting, but let, let's let's keep it to fighting for now. The more value you bring, to the company, to the organization, the higher you will be compensated. It's not a, there. There's no. You're not paid based on appearances, except by Reebok. The that that Reebok deal. There's no um, stipulation that you have to have a, a certain dues paid to be able to make a, a lot of money in the fight game. You yeah. you have to be provide value, and CM Punk provides value. Clearly, people whether you know people tuned in, and they're either going to hate him or love him, whatever the case may be. He provides a ton of value, and that doesn't only apply to the fight game. In any job, it, the more the more value the provi- that you provide, the more handsomely you'll be compensated. So anybody shocked that CM Punk would make a lot of money for this fight is almost like wh- what else would happen? That was what he was here for. We knew certain facts coming into this fight. We knew that he would not. Um, we knew that he would not be a world beater when he stepped in the cage and we knew that he would be rewarded handsome handsomely for it there there those are just facts that we knew coming in and uh nothing has changed and that that number doesn't shock me in fact uh it'd probably be higher if i had is, to guess it, well it is going to be higher with the pay-per-view yeah. points here's the one thing regardless of what you think about the ufc here's the one thing that you can't deny they don't book gimmick fights and what i mean by that is they don't book cupcake fights and what i mean by that is when they do sort of skirt the line between entertainment and sport they'll always stack the deck against the gimmick they did that against james tony when he fought randy couture worst possible matchup for him and they did it again here with cm punk those are the the two best examples in the last decade or so and they could have easily like that's the big difference in my opinion between bellator and the ufc like we know you could always kind of guess who the promoter wants to win based on their marketability, how popular they are, etc. But at the end of the day, you got to roll the dice. Um, here's a bit of breaking news from Jimmy Rivera. He just texted me. What a guy, Jimmy Rivera, right? Unbelievable. This guy actually sticks to his word and texts me. He said, uh, I need medicine, but the retina is fine. It's a scratch and inflammation from the pressure. Just drops and rest. How about that? No surgery for Jimmy Rivera. Well, that's great news. Um, anyhow, so they could have given 
Punk a much easier opponent. But I think a year or so into this experiment, which is when they found Mickey Gall, they recognized that, look, there isn't a long future here. He's not going to stick around. Maybe his body's too broken up. Maybe, you know, he's too old, whatever the case is. So we need to find someone who has a good chance of beating him, who we can then you know, build off of and turn into a legit prospect. And that's what they did with Mickey Gall. And with the Randy Couture story, they found a veteran and that was the perfect sort of foil in the MMA versus boxing argument. Bellator, who I think is really turning the corner and finding good young prospects, they make it too obvious when they book these fights. Like Anastasia Yankova, she is someone that they're pushing. How much do we know about Veda Artiega? Never heard of her before this fight, right? They, they, they make it too obvious. They make it too one-sided. They try to stack the deck in the favor of the person that they're pushing. They did that with the two female fights not that long ago. And then when those fighters lose, you're left with nothing. So if you're going to play the gimmick game, you always have to put some chips on the other side of the table in case there's a loss because this is MMA and it's you know 50-50, if not more than that. And I think that the UFC did a very good job here. Um, you know, Would it have been better if this fight happened you know, six months after the announcement? Would it have been bigger? Probably. But I really think Saturday night was a very good night for the UFC. Again, because the the purist, the, you know, the guy who put in the time in MMA won because Punk got his fight and they got the extra buys and sold some more tickets because of it. And because now they're left with someone that they can really build. And if you don't think at this point that Mickey Gall is someone that they, A, will try to build and B, is worth building, then I I don't, I don't even know what to tell you. And if you don't think that Mickey Gall, excuse me, that CM Punk is worth the money that he got, I don't know what to tell you. That's not to say that the other fighters on the card aren't worth more and should be paid more and that all MMA fighters should be paid more. But there's really nothing wrong with what happened here. And the UFC has become its own farm system. Mickey Gall is deserving. Guys who come off tough are, they're they're not, it's not the New York Yankees. It's not the Dallas Cowboys. They are their own farm system. There are 500 fighters. Do you think all those 500 fighters are the best of the best in the entire world? No, there's a process as you work your way up the card and, you know, the, the, the bottom guys are not as good as the top guys and you work your way up and hopefully you get, you know, better fighters in two, three years. That's just what the UFC is. So stop talking about UFC caliber and stop talking about the elite and stop talking about the major leagues. And this, this game is built differently. It's not like baseball. It's not like basketball. And if you want to compare it to those, compare the bottom of the card to the NBDL, compare the bottom of the card to the double A baseball, you know, single A, triple A, and the top is the majors. And so that's why, you know, I'm kind of happy this whole thing is over so we can stop, you know, talking about this and arguing about it. I have no problem if they bring him back. My guess is that they're going to try to get him to fight on a Fight Pass show, you know, for a smaller promotion while still keeping him under payroll because he'll probably bring more eyeballs to Fight Pass and that keeps him away from Bellator. You know, who knows if he's interested in that sort of thing. But how do you walk away from that whole thing? I got some fans... And some friends even texted me like, that was pathetic. What were you expecting? CM Punk on Saturday night looked like an 0-0 fighter with no combat sports experience prior to this whole thing who was debuting on the biggest stage possible. That's what he looked like. He did not look worse than that. He did not look better than that. He looked exactly how he should look. And what the heck else were you expecting? Now, if you had some illusions of grandeur that he was going to knock him out and go on a 10-fight winning streak, well then, you know kudos to you for dreaming but that is exactly how an O fighter who's 37 years old who just came off back surgery and has never really done anything like this before is supposed to look in his mma debut his ufc debut 
So there were no surprises here. That was what we expected. Um, that's not to say the journey was fun, that it was fun to cover, that I respect the hell out of the guy for actually doing it, for making the walk. You know, that's not to say that 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 it was, you know, it was a pretty fun little element to an otherwise, you know, pretty solid card with some, some weird moments. But, you know, I had no problem with its placement. The walkout was fun. Mickey coming out to his side. The whole thing was just fun. Stop taking this whole thing so seriously. Now, I know what they do in the cage is very serious. I know that this is as serious as it gets when it comes to athletics. They're getting punched in the face with small gloves in a cage, kicked and need. It's very serious. But this whole sanctimonious BS about, you know, the, 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 the sanctity of the octagon and respect for the sport and the history, you're forgetting about the history when you're saying that. You're forgetting about pride. You're forgetting about UFC 1. This is what MMA was built on. This is how it was born. And I have to say, like, I, I thought that the, the Rogan-Ream interview was spot on. I thought Rogan did a fantastic job there. I thought they had to call him out on it for, for the sanctity of the sport. Like, if someone's claiming tap and it's a title fight, you got to find out if there's a tap. And we have replay, so let's find out. Could you imagine if there was a tap, what the reaction would have been? But that being said, I will say the rolling of the eyes, the comments, the saying like, this is a, this is a crazy decision. Even the way he was speaking on the way to the cage, I don't know. I, 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 I thought that that was a big misstep. And I get it. I understand that you want honesty. And let's be honest, more often than not, there isn't honesty on the UFC broadcast. More often than not, they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes and give us, you know, the puff. They're trying to give us the promotional speak. They've been doing that since day one, especially the Zufa era. When a guy tested, I think about Sean Shirk, when BJ Penn fought Joe Stevenson in Newcastle, they didn't mention the failed drug test. So I appreciate the honesty, and I think they're doing a lot better job of that. It's really changed, and I get what he was trying to do. I just think he didn't, he didn't do it the right way. It was changed the channel discourse that he was putting out there. He was making you believe that this was a ruse, that this was that this was a waste of time, that this had no business happening. We we got to the point. We're we're we're, we're at Saturday night. It's happening. To me it was disrespectful to the guy who was at the arena getting ready to fight. The guy had had done everything that was asked of him and then some. He's there. The time for that discourse was long gone. That's that's podcast talk. That's not broadcast talk. To me it was disrespectful. It was you know, CM Punk is not the one who came to the UFC and asked for this. They came to him. Now, I'm sure that there were some feelers sent back and forth. But to say that this was, you know, a horrible decision, to say that, you know, to essentially imply that he had no business being in there, to roll your eyes at the package and all that stuff. And let's not forget, you know, Joe Rogan has a very, very long storied martial arts background. He is a black belt. He is very good at what he does. He has never made the walk. And maybe he's never been offered. Who the heck knows? But, you know, let's not forget who's saying these things. Let's not forget, you know, like, like that's why I can't, I, can't, I can't say a thing about a fighter who has made that walk. I can't say a thing about a person who has walked into a cage and the door is closed behind them and, and, and they've actually gone in there and fought. You can't say a thing. You can call them a bad fighter, you can, but you can't question their motives. You can't shit on them. You just can't. And I feel like in that position, especially when you have never fought, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look for the, the organization. It was, to me, it was change the channel stuff. If I'm sitting on the fence and I know nothing about CM Punk and I'm a UFC fan, Joe Rogan is telling me that this is a waste of time, that this is not going to end well, that you know this, this wasn't the right call, and that you know, it's finally happening, but let's just go through with it begrudgingly. That's the way I took it. Maybe I'm a little biased. Maybe I'm too sensitive, but uh, I was very surprised that you know, that he got away with that. And I know he kind of has carte blanche to do whatever he wants. I think CM Punk deserved 
a little more respect than that. Am I crazy? No. Well, I mean, it, this is our first question from the fans, and I think this is interesting. You talked about you respect them greatly for making that walk. You're talking about disrespect now. Um, the, the question that this person asked is, does he deserve our respect? I think that's clear. He deserves respect. But let me ask you a, a different question. There's no does denying. Des- Wait, let me just say, there's no denying that he got this opportunity because he's a famous person. Yeah. And we wouldn't be talking about this if this was a, you know, a guy who won a contest at the local YMCA. We can't ignore that. We know that. We all understand that. We all recognize that. But let's just talk about what it is. It's a famous guy who wanted to do this, who got an opportunity, who went out and did it. And again, if he would have bowed out after the back surgery, he would have been the butt of jokes, yes, but no one would have batted an eye. This would have been a footnote in UFC history. But he kept at it. He kept going. He did the weight cut. He showed up on time. He did everything that was asked of him. So, yeah, and yes, he got paid. And guess what? He deserved that money. Yep. 20 years in the wrestling business to become a superstar made him deserving of that money. Absolutely. Could, not a word that, that you said that I disagree with. Clearly deserves respect. But let me, let me change the question a little bit. Does he deserve kudos? Does he deserve... There's people who are, who are saying he deserves a pat on the back for giving it a try. An attaboy, you know, a participation trophy. Does he deserve that? And is it condescending almost to give him that? I'll tell you, the last person who wants that is CM Punk. Correct. I, ha- I truly believe that. I had a brief text conversation with him, and I was like, hey, man, you know, much respect to you. It's been fun covering this. You know, who'd have thought? And you know what he wrote back? I lost. Yeah. That's all he cares about. He doesn't want any of that. He really doesn't. Do- so, so we could do it, and, and, and I will do it, and I will say much respect because I, I, I don't feel like we're talking about life and death here in the sense of like we're covering war or anything like that. But look, a man late in his 30s, uh, put it all on the line and, and you know, risk serious injury, risk embarrassment. And yeah, you could say, oh, he got paid, but nothing is, you know, nothing's worth that much. Nothing's worth the risk of serious injury or something bad. You know, who knows what could have happened in there? And it, it worked out where, you know, he got a an ear injury and a few stitches under his eye. Cool. Um, I just feel like the way some people have reacted to this is just like, this was one fight on UFC 203 and the train moves along and you probably won't have to deal with it again. And if you want to talk about the irony of a guy who complained his entire, you know, for the latter portion of his career in, in pro wrestling that, you know, others were getting opportunities over him and they were undeserving while he put in his time. Yeah, there's an irony there. And guess what? He's addressed that. He's addressed it all. But there is something to be said for a guy who says, look, everyone doubted me. Everyone's doubted me my entire life. And I'm going through some stuff. And I had a bad breakup with my previous employers who are now suing me and all this stuff. And I just want to go out and do something so that when I'm 80 years old on my deathbed, uh, you know, I don't want to regret it. And I have no problem with that. It doesn't make me think less of the UFC, of, of Dana White, of Lorenzo Fertitta, who signed him, of the sport. Again, because this has happened before in MMA. It has happened before. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time. And so I know that. I, 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 I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with the fact that MMA is rooted in pro wrestling, that it, it sometimes skirts the line between sport and entertainment, that Dan Henderson, who's ranked 13th, is getting a title shot you know, in, in, in four weeks' time, that Kimbo fought on national television and represented our sport. And I had no problem with that. You know, like this has happened before. So I don't understand why people seem to forget all of that. I, I think there, the, clearly that's correct. But I think there's a subset of people who think that him not paying dues um, excludes him from getting the kudos for, for doing it. Um, 
I don't think there's because anything he was wrong. Fast tracked there, but th- there's nothing wrong with giving kudos. No, I mean because let's not forget when he signed the contract when they made the announcement he had no experience essentially right he had not even chosen what team he was going to be a part of he had not even chosen what weight class he was going to be in and you know that there was some point where the the going got tough right i mean you know that the the back surgery was probably a big or the shoulder injury yeah and i asked him this question at the press conference i was like look man you know you're 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 clearly emotional right now and i know in large part that's because you lost but I was wondering if that was just some of the emotions coming out of this whole journey. And he, you know, he, he confirmed that because there's no deny. You go on Twitter, every, there's so many people crapping on you, so many people doubting you. And it's not like you're going out to do a show like I am. And that's one thing. You're going out, you know, in your underwear and you're about to get into a fight. And he knew that when he signed up, but he could have backed out a long time ago. And again, I'm not t- trying to turn him into a sympathetic character. I'm not trying, but Let's not forget what just happened here. A guy went into a cage and said, okay, let's go, and lost, and got beat up in the process, and got paid a lot for it. But guess what? Stipe Miocic got paid a lot more for it as well, because he got pay-per-view points, and probably a lot more people know who Jimmy Rivera is now, and who Fabrizio Verdum is, and who Joanne Calderon and Jessica Andrade. So there is a trickle-down effect, and Mickey Gall is now a prospect in the UFC, and he's going to get some opportunities. Like, Bottom line is, in my opinion, the good way outweighs the bad in this whole experiment. Now, is it something that I want to see the UFC do all the time? Like, do I want to see them sign the Miz next week? No. But I think that there was a story there of a guy leaving his old post and coming to a new world and putting in two years on that stuff that, you know what, for one night, for 15 minutes, and it was maybe a little more than that with the walkouts, wasn't the worst thing. It's fun. It's why we talk about this sport. It's why we like this sport. It's fun. It's different. It's not conventional. It's just different, and I don't mind that. So you're saying you, you wouldn't like to see this all the time, though? Of course not. I, I, you know, I don't even know if I want to see it ever again. You know, it happened with the, you know, with the pro wrestling angle. I don't know if like Wesley Snipes wants to get yeah, on. Yeah, what, what, what about that, though? It, on it, a serious note, no, what, what honestly, about that? It can't. Look, uh, uh, James Tony was what? UFC 118, what was that? 2000 and... 10? No, 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 no. Really? Was, yeah, yeah, it was like 2000. It was 2010 because UFC 112 was 2010. Oh, wow. So, and, and I know James Tony's different than CM Punk. I know that because he has the boxing background and all that. But, uh, th- you know, that was six years ago. If it's once every decade, if you want to sign me up for once every decade, some, you know, some freaky fight where the UFC is able to build the opponent into something more, they didn't really have to build rank tour, but it was a nice little feather in his cap then yeah, I have no problem with it. The circumstances have to be right. It has to be the right story. The guy has to apply himself. You can't deny that as well. It's not like he sat back. You know, there were a lot of questions about Tony and his training. He didn't do that. You know what I mean? He tried. He, 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 he tried to become a better jiu-jitsu practitioner. He tried to become a better wrestler. Yeah. He tried to become a better fighter. But it just didn't work out for him. I also, I mean, the UFC is just not going to go after anybody. So it's going to be very rare from their side as well. This, this My guess is they won't be doing something like this for a very long time. And that yeah. is totally fine. It, it, can't, it can't happen every year or so. Because that just, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's not what the UFC should be about. But let's stop pretending like the UFC is the best of the best. You know what I mean? They own 99% of the top 10 in every division. Yeah, but that's not to say that there aren't great fighters in Bellator and World Series of Fighting and, you know, all over the world. And that's not to say that there's some fighters who are in the UFC who aren't, quote unquote, 
UFC caliber. What does that even mean at this point? It doesn't mean anything. They're an organization that is home to 500 fighters. It's impossible to say that those 500 fighters are the very best 500 fighters in the world. That is an inaccurate statement. So I have no problem with a Mickey Gall being there, a Sage Northcutt being there, a CM Punk, you know, trying this out for 15 minutes on a card. I have no problem with that. It does not devalue any single person on that card or in that organization, in my opinion. Um, what did you feel about the WWE doing the, the mocking of, of I CM didn't like Punk's? It. I didn't like it. And, and look, again, I have no problem with saying that for the first time in my career, I may be a little biased when it comes to the story. And why am I biased? Because I met this guy before I ever knew that he was you know, a possibility for the UFC a possible MMA fighter. First time he was on the show was September of 2011. And I got his contact information from Paul Heyman. And I reached out to him and he was a very big star. He was the WWE champ, I believe. And isn't it crazy? Someone pointed out to me last week that that interview was conducted at the queue in Cleveland. How crazy is that? Also crazy that his last day in WWE was there. But anyhow, um, he couldn't have been nicer. He couldn't have been more you know, accommodating. He couldn't have been more eager to be on the show. He was a great interview. And then when I was in Chicago in 2012... I was like, where do you want to do the interview? And he's like, let's just do it in my apartment or his house. Um, People don't say that. People who I know, who I cover all the time, don't say that, aren't that accommodating. And they couldn't have been nicer to us over there. And we did in 2012 and 13 and 14 and 15. And this past week, you know, I was like, hey, I know there's a lot going on. Do you mind doing an interview? Absolutely. When, When do you want to do it? Came to our hotel room, you know, walked for 10 minutes to come to our room. Like, so I, I can't help but feel... Like I knew this guy before and here's a guy I'm sort of friendly with. When I went to Paul Heyman's daughter's bat mitzvah uh, and he was there too and we were leaving, we didn't have a chance to really talk. I was there with my wife. Like he rode the elevator with us down just to talk for a couple minutes. So yes, I have an affinity for the man. I'm not going to hide that. I'm not going to lie about it. And so maybe that's why I feel a little bit more sensitive when it comes to these things, when it comes to his story and his endeavor. And I mean, he just couldn't be more nice to me. Um, and I thought that the, the WWE thing was, was low class, but that's what I expect from that organization. And I know that they do that sort of thing, but here you have a guy who you're involved in a lawsuit with, who he's sort of, you know, he's sort of touched on this, that they're trying to, you know, they're trying to squeeze out everything they can from him. And they're even going after the interviewer, Colt Cabana. I mean, what is that? And then you mock him for making that walk. Uh, I think it was Dolph Ziggler and the, the Miz. They've never done that. I know Ziggler was a collegiate wrestler, but you've never gone into a cage and, you know, put your, your body on the line in that respect. You've never done that. What are you mocking the guy for? So to me, I thought it was low class, but, you know, maybe I'm taking things too personally. Okay. Let's move to Mickey I don't want to move. Okay. Let's move to Mickey Gall. <laughs> um, Mickey Gall versus Sage Northcutt. How, are we, how do we feel about that fight? Well, is that you know, the fight to make? There is an important thing to discuss here when talking about this fight. They don't fight in the same weight class. You know what I mean? Mickey Gall is a very big 170 pounder. Sage Northcutt is a 155 pounder. Now, he fought at 170 in uh, January, but he lost that fight and he went back to 155. So, uh, look, that aside, it's 1000% the fight to make. Gall's promo was fantastic. Dropping F bombs. I mean, I think Gall kind of turned heel after the fight. Right, mm. kind of turned heel a little bit. By the time I mean, by the time he got to the press conference, he was the baby face. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I, th- I thought I thought it was a great promo. I thought it was a great idea. 
I love the fact that this kid who's just two and zero going into this fight now three and zero, two and zero in the UFC, gets it better than veterans, calling people out, going after the poster boy, going after Punk. I mean, he just has something that you know the the song. I thought that was brilliant to end up playing the song after it seemed like they took it out on Embedded. I mean, the kid just gets it. And uh, I, I think he is someone to watch. I will be watching Mickey Gall fights. I will be watching Sage Northcutt fights. And that doesn't make me less of an MMA fan. That doesn't make me someone incapable of recognizing that these guys aren't heavyweight, you know, fighters in the sense that like they're big stars or title contenders, things like that. Like they, they, I, I can recognize that there's a prospect worth watching. And in boxing, this happens all the time. There are guys who come out of, you know, the amateur game and and the whole system is different because guys will fight an amateur for a lot longer than MMA, but you can start watching them and seeing them grow and they'll get a bunch of fights. There's nothing wrong with that sort of approach. So uh, those are two guys that are on my radar that I care to watch. There's something for everyone right now in the UFC and there's nothing wrong with that. That's why I like this card so much. You had the Calderwood on fight, which is an interesting strawweight fight. Then you have Faber Rivera, which I love the booking, you know, sort of old versus young, the punk thing for Doom, Brown and their story and the heavy. I feel like there was really something for everyone on that main card, which is why I liked it so much. I'd like for that fight to happen and I'd like for Mickey Gall to just keep picking the next opponent. I yeah. think it'll work out well. Verdum and Edmund Taverdian. Uh, first of all, you, you said earlier that you felt that Edmund was, was at fault for this. That he shouldn't be there yeah. uh, in Verdum's face, correct? Uh, I, I I thought that. Okay, this is how I felt about the whole situation. Uh, Fabrizio Verdum has just competed in a fifty-round fight. He has just been punched. I hope not. Fifteen minutes. Excuse me, fifteen minutes. Wow, boxing. Uh, he has just been punched in the face, kicked. It, it, it is a it is a grueling endeavor, correct? I felt like, sure. You can make the case that Verdum should not touch him, should not push him, should not kick him. But if you're going to come up to a fighter who has just been involved in a pretty, you know, strenuous activity uh, against a guy who he does not have the best relationship with, I don't think you should be yelling obscenities at him. I don't think that's the, the smartest move. And let's be honest about the physical nature of the kick. It was like a shove at best. Not condoning it, not saying he shouldn't get a slap on the wrist, not saying he shouldn't get a fine, not saying any of that. But let's not make this out to be something that it's, you know, something that it's not. Let's not make this out to be, you know, a mountain when it's really a mole. And let's not forget who instigated it. Yeah. In my opinion, Edmund instigated it. If he doesn't start yelling at Verdum, Verdum's not doing that. And should Verdum hold himself, you know, to a higher standard and act more like nope. a fresh? <sighs> nope. It's 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 not his place to be yelling at him. You're you're saying you won't say that he shouldn't be fined. He shouldn't have a slap on the wrist. I am saying that he should not. Um, that's that's where he's at work right now. Um, he was uh, in the cage because he had just fought, um, and you're coming to to his job and uh, taunting him and all this stuff. Um, you deserve that. Yeah, he, what is going on there? I don't know. Like I, I was sitting right in back of the. Um, the cage where where Brown's corner is, and I only went out there for the last three fights for Punk, uh, Verdum, and of course Miocic. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm hearing the guy like yell at him, like he's not offering any kind of you know advice as far as the fight is concerned. He's just like yelling at him from the top of his lungs, and towards the end he's losing his voice. I don't know what is going on there. I really yeah. don't. 
but but in either case, clearly, uh, Verdum's actions were defensible. Um, if anything, a, a small slap on the wrist. Uh, Stipe versus Cain Velasquez. One of the more intriguing matchups this person is, is suppositing. Um, but is it going to be hard to promote? You mentioned this earlier. You were talking about perhaps the promos for this are not going to be fantastic, but the, but the in-cage action is something you're looking forward to. Um, is it going to be difficult to promote this fight? I don't think so because I think that there's enough, especially not in Cleveland. And that's why I yeah. think that it needs to happen in Cleveland um, <laughs> because that's, that's the best place to sell the fight. That's where you're going to make the most money. I mean, they got a $2.6 million gate, and I think that Miocic is an even bigger star now in Cleveland because when I was leaving, people were coming up to me like, you were at that UFC fight? Yeah, Cleveland won. You know, they're very proud yeah. of, uh, of where they're from in Cleveland. That's what I learned on, uh, you know, on, on, over the weekend or over the week being there. Like, they love Cleveland. And again, they're not just wearing Cavaliers gear or Indians gear. Although they should be. Well, they're just wearing Cleveland stuff on top of everything. I mean, I saw Cavaliers gear everywhere. I saw good. it, you know, at the CVS store. I mean, it was everywhere. Good, 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 good. But they're just like, you don't see a lot of people walking around wearing New York gear. I mean, I guess you do, but you get what <laughs> I'm saying? I do, but I do. They have a lot of, of pride. Yeah, I, I understand it. But how many times can you go to that well? Do you think you just keep Stipe in Cleveland forever or? Not forever, but I think the next fight okay. should be there. And especially if he wants to take some time off. I have no problem with oh, his next fight. Wait till the Cavs win the championship again. Again, that's too long. And then you can't take no, that much time. No, it's next year. Next Where year. were all the Cavs players then, on Saturday? Not a single one yeah. came to support them. What's up with that? No, Bi- you know, busy, busy. Um, but I mean, clearly, this is the fight to make. Yes, did Verdum uh, put himself in the conversation or no? No, Cain Velasquez yeah. for the title. Verdum JDS, Jimmy Rivera. He beat Faber. First of all, what does this mean for Faber? Are we finally seeing um, a slowing from him, or was it Jimmy Rivera being too good, a combination of the two? Um, what, what kind of read do you get on that fight now? You know, uh, a good win, a solid win over, a, 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 you know, obviously a legend. Uh, it gets his name out there. I think what's missing now with Rivera is just a couple finishes because that's just the way the game goes, right? Mm-hmm. The game goes where you, you need some you need some finishes to but, get. But how many guys are out there finishing Uriah Faber? No, to be I know, fair? but that's the way fans are. I mean, yeah. it's crazy to me that the guy is what twenty and one, twenty and one. He's won what eighteen in a row? No, nineteen in a row, uh, and he's still ranked, you know, in the bottom half of the the rankings. He's like twelve or thirteen or something like that. I'm sure that's going to go up now, but you know that that's kind of crazy. Um, I wonder if they're going to give him that big of a jump. It, it, what what's next after Faber? I mean, it's it's hard to give him a jump after. I would, I would love to see him fight a, uh, you know, a, a Dillashaw, a Caraway if he wants. But like, I, I, w- I would love to see him fight. I think he's a very impressive fighter. He's a tough fighter. He's a gritty fighter. Um, he fought the half of the third round blind. But again, okay, here's the thing. Like Mickey Gall, they did a great job bring him to the press conference. I, I, they did nothing for Jimmy Rivera. Like he didn't show up to the open workouts, but Faber did. He didn't show up to the press conference. Uh, Faber didn't. I don't know why. I thought it was a mistake to do the press conference personally. I thought they should have done more of like an ultimate media day kind of thing. Cause they're, you know, it's, it's hard to do a workout slash scrum and then a press conference the next day, because you're essentially in the same kind of setting. If you get what I'm saying, nothing good is going to come. Nothing new is really going to come out of it. Although we did get CM Punk's thoughts on Tim Tebow. Hmm. Thanks to yours truly, by the way. Um, so that's what I thought I, they should have done, but I get that though, because push the guy a little more. No CM Punk and Gall are there specifically for that. Clearly, we're not about to get um, the the you know rankings climbing barn burner of a fight that that puts you on the map. 
Um, they're there for the spectacle. So therefore, they have to be at the press conference because that's what they are. That is why they are here. Um, whereas Rivera has worked hard and gotten here and um, he, he's going when he beats Uriah Faber, people are going to take notice um, regardless of whether he's at the press conference or not. Would it have been beneficial to have him there? Sure, you can make that case, yes or no. Um, but I think that wasn't his sole purpose, whereas Gall and Punk, clearly that's what they were there for. Um, that said, beating Uriah, Uriah Faber is a feather in your cap, no Huge. doubt about it. it, is, it Do is, you think Faber I think has it gone is still down? a statement. No, Absolutely. I, I think, um, no. I don't. I think Faber's still kind of where he was, and I think that this was a statement um, for Jimmy Rivera. Now we'll see how Faber looks in his next um, outing. And as I think, I, I believe I said last week, like at a certain point, guys hit the wall, and it's typically going to be one fight, and then after that, they're not the same. Um, we'll see if this was that one. But I didn't think that I was looking at a Uriah Faber who didn't look like he could still win fights in the UFC. That is not who I saw. I saw a Jimmy Rivera that took a fight um, from from Uriah Faber and looked good doing it. He beat up his leg. Um, who knows, you know, if if Faber's next opponent is going to have a similar strategy or have the same tools to do that. I I think I learned more about Jimmy Rivera than I, than I did necessarily about Faber. Um, yeah, he still abs- looked game Fair and enough. viable, um, and I think Rivera looked really good. Yeah, I thought so too. And he gets it as well. I mean, he's talking about what's next. He's still talking a bit of smack while being uh, respectful. Uh, this is a guy who you know who has really you know he's done it the right way. And let's not forget, he lost on the Ultimate Fighter to Dennis Bermudez, which is kind of crazy in hindsight that they were matched up together in the fight to get into the house. Yep, um, but. Once again, 135, in my opinion, it just feels like there's a new face, a new prospect, a new potential contender that emerges every few weeks. And now we can 100% add Jimmy Rivera to that list. Hopefully he's a little more active because his last fight was in January. It feels like it was so long ago. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely keeping an eye out on him. On the weird meter, where did UFC 203 rank? Um, I don't think it was that crazy. I mean, look, uh, UFC 203 on the whole, the whole you know week was bizarre with the uh, first, first we get Ian McCall for the second time in yep. less than two months loses an opponent. Uh, Ray Borg gets seriously ill, has to pull out. Remember UFC 201? Uh, he was he was going to fight Ian McCall was going to fight on that card, and then um, uh, was Justin Scoggins has to pull out due to a bad weight cut. So they book him right away. He was on this show, book him right away. UFC 203, and then he loses another opponent. That's crazy. So that was a sign of things to come. Uh, then we get the CB Dalloway situation where. Multiple Zufa employees are getting stuck in this hotel elevator, uh, the Wyndham Hotel, a very old hotel, wasn't very nice. When I went to go interview Joanne Calderwood, I didn't stay there, but I was like, man, uh, you kind of wish that professional fighters would get nicer accommodations than this. But truth be told, there weren't a lot of great accommodations in downtown Cleveland, if I'm being honest. I really enjoy my time there. The downtown area is very nice. Um, with all the restaurants and bars, and then the the queue is literally across the street from Progressive Field. It's a very nice area, but the hotels, when trying to book my own, weren't weren't great. Um, and then they're they're in this hotel, and people are getting stuck. And then a ton of fighters go in after the weigh-ins, and CB Dalway gets hurt his back. He suffers a back strain. And, uh, you know, they, they, he, has to, he, has to, he has to bail from the fight. He withdraws from the fight due to an injury. Now, I will say this. It did kind of feel like there were too many people on that elevator, if I'm being honest. Verdum, Medeiros, Brad Tavares, uh, CB Dalloway, Rafael Cordero, Justin Buckles. This is off the top of my head. 
but there were a bunch more, some UFC employees I saw. So perhaps they kind of brought it upon themselves. But yeah, the whole thing was weird. And then like just little things that what happened on, on Saturday, well, as we talked about, it was just kind of a, Overeem, it, was, it was a different one. Overeem was late for the weigh-ins Overeem because late to of the, the elevator. I got to tell you, the official early weigh-ins are my favorite thing to cover. Um, thank you to those who watched it. I did a Facebook live stream where I called the entire two-hour thing, and then Overeem shows up five minutes late, and Bernie Perfato, who's one of my favorite characters now in the sport, sweating profusely up there, puts his foot down and finds Overeem $500 for being a couple of minutes late. Overeem without a care in the world. I mean, the whole thing was just great theater. You sit there, there's a bunch of guys that show up early in the morning, like Verdum is rubbing the sleep out of his eyes, um, and it's in a small, it's kind of a throwback to the early days of, of the UFC when the Waynes were just in a hotel ballroom, but this is even smaller. There's like five media members there broadcasting the whole thing. I love it. And, and I think they're, quite frankly, I think they're missing out on an opportunity by not showing this to the public. And it feels a little weird when you're, you know, you're sitting in the arena seven hours later and watching them weigh in again. I know you're getting the face-offs and all, but it does, like, there's always that moment now after covering these new weigh-ins where before these ceremonial weigh-ins where I'm like, man, what have I done with my life? I'm watching the same people weigh in in their underwear for the second time today. And I know the second time is a fake one, but you get my point. Um, but I love the early weigh-ins. Yeah, so that was another weird thing. Overeem, I'm probably forgetting. Oh, I went to this pro wrestling show and Matt Riddle's there killing it. I had no idea that Matt Riddle was some kind of like media darling or internet darling as far as his amateur. Oh, no, it was his, like, his indie pro wrestling career is concerned. And Shayna Baszler killed it. I was more impressed with Shayna Baszler than Matt Riddle, by the way. Shayna Baszler's match was fantastic. Um, Dan Severin's on the card. I mean, the whole thing was was very memorable. I had a ton of fun. We our interview with Joanne Calderwood was great. Unfortunately for her, she she lost, but it was just great to cover one of her fights for the first time in person. And did you see her Instagram post where she gave a homeless man tickets to the fight, and then he leaves her this note afterwards? I mean, how do you not love Joanne Calderwood? Um, incredible week. Uh, Super Nick Lentz w- super dropping weird a massive pipe oh, bomb. stop it. What about Nick oh, Lentz? I mean, it. unbelievable. You didn't Let's like that? Let's not even talk about this. Why? I mean, no. Nick Lentz is amazing. Ugh. That was his best interview. Because I will admit, sometimes with the poems and the tweets, I'm like, this is not really Nick Lentz. Yeah, we know that. He's ghostwritten. <laughs> hey, uh, based off of what I heard and saw on Saturday after that fight, he was phenomenal. Absolutely Phenomenal. Nick Lentz versus BJ Penn. They should scrap that Ricardo Lamas fight right Just now. Just scrap it. Just scrap it for everyone's sake, except for Ricardo's and book Nick yeah. Lentz. <laughs> well, yeah, except for the other guy in the fight. Yeah. Okay. Um, we also got the announcement Jacare uh, is facing Rockhold. Um, does this mean that inevitably Chris versus uh, Chris Weidman versus uh, Romero is going to happen? And and. Who gets the title shot out of those guys? Does it really just depend on performance? What do we what do we have you know playing out at middleweight right now? So initially, I heard that they were going to do Weidman versus Jacare, and then Romero versus Luke Rockhold, and I thought they got it all wrong. And I understood the line of thinking. The line of thinking was Romero beat Jacare, Rockhold beat Weidman. He didn't beat Jacare. Well, officially. Uh, but I thought they got it all wrong because Jacare and Rockhold have the history and now you've found out that they're going to fight in late November in Melbourne. Uh, apparently, Rockhold got what he wanted or is relatively happier now than he was back on this show two weeks ago um, or maybe three weeks ago. No, it was two weeks ago. 
And to me, Romero versus Weidman is the perfect fight for MSG because this is the, the reincarnation of Iron Sheik versus Hulk Hogan circa 1984. This is the hometown guy, America's sweetheart, the All-American from New York, fighting in MSG for the first time against Joel Romero, who, let's be honest, is somewhat polarizing, somewhat controversial, sometimes doesn't really understand why he's considered this this sort of bad guy talking about Jesus and, you know, don't forget Jesus and the 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 the, the thing with Tim Kennedy and then the, the Jacques Ray fight where people don't think he won and then the, the failed drug test. I mean, there I could just foresee if Chris Weidman wins that place exploding into a USA chant and now people are more invested in Weidman and puts him over so that's the fight to make that all being said it's not done this is one of the first times though let's assume this gets done yeah this is one of the first times in a long time that I can remember if any of these four guys has a super impressive performance they're they're next for the title well how about the fact that if if Hendo wins right if Hendo wins and truly vacates the title, what's going to happen then? Do oh, they wow. make do they make Weidman the Romero? Of, yeah, well, no, they do the winner they of just, these two fights. Okay, fights for the vacant belt, or do they just make one of those fights a title fight? Is that I weird? Know, I don't know if I love that. You just make it a if mini the, tournament. Yeah, you do the tournament because, as I said, it, it feels like if any one of these guys has that performance, they're they're in there. What would be the case against them? You know. Yeah, no, I like that idea as well. I was just wondering what's going to happen. I mean, I don't even know, to be honest, if... I'm not convinced that Hendo's going to walk away. I'm not calling him a liar, but I just can't foresee him winning that lottery if he wins and just saying... What a way to go it would be. What a way to go. And he is, you know, he is up there in age and it would be the perfect ending to a legendary career, but I don't know. Be the one. Do it. Please. It would be great. That would be... Well, you know, you have to win first, but if you do, be the one to do that. And, and let me just say something, because I see all the white knights now tagging Joe Rogan in my tweets and things of that nature. I have a ton of respect for Joe Rogan. I think that I, I've never been one, you know, in the early days, people were like, oh, you're the comedian. What are you doing calling the fights? I think he is the greatest to ever do it. Hands down. He is the greatest color analyst in, in uh, MMA history and one of the best in combat sports history, if we're truly being honest. I just felt that the tone throughout the night was a little bit off. I didn't love the rolling of the eyes at the promo. I didn't love some of the things that he said. I thought his post-fight interviews with both of them were very sincere and on point. I just thought... Is that Joe Rogan? Uh, I just thought that it was off. And, you know, hey, this is why I don't love to talk about other media guys. I'm just expressing my point of view on the way those... that That night was called. And I felt like that tone was better reserved for his podcast as opposed to saying it on the air when you're trying to sell the fights. I mean, at the end of the day, the UFC is controlling that production. They're trying to sell the fights to the public to get them to watch. And to me, I thought it was counterproductive. That's all. Who knows? Maybe they could have sold half a million more pay-per-views. I don't know if you've heard about this, but yes, these energy guys, they are killing it. They, they, uh, oh. They it's want probably to a energy. prank call at this point. No, no, just more energy. Um, let me leave you with this, and then I'll get our guest. Yes, Donald Cerrone. Oh, yeah, he is often the one stepping in for somebody who needs an opponent. In this case, he's the one who needs an opponent. What happens with Donald Cerrone? Who's going to step in and, and face him? Well, there is a long queue, and he wants to fight on the card. He wants to remain on the card. I mean, I kind of feel like the Nick Diaz fight would make everyone forget about the sadness that they felt when they heard that Robbie Lawler was out. 
Um, you know, there's a guy named Khabib Nurmagomedov who is saying that he would fight him. If Eddie Alvarez gets the title shot, he's saying that he would fight him at either 155 or 170. And let's not forget the history between those two. I would be down with that. Khabib versus Cowboy Cerrone? Sign me up. I mean, we've been teased of this one quite a bit, but uh, I would certainly be down with that. So, yeah, it's an unfortunate thing because I think a lot of people were excited about that fight. But if I'm being honest, I kind of feel like it's it's in Lawler's best interest. It really is. I feel like coming back that soon in a fight that you know is going to be a grueling one, you know, you know, the fists will be flying. Uh, it's a very big stage. I mean, the guy needs a break. He really does. And he's been doing this long before the the title run. I actually give Lawler a lot of credit for saying it's just not the right call at this point in my career. I mean, that takes a lot. Considering how excited everyone was and the reaction to the booking and the stage and the story of, you know, the first show at MSG, uh, a typical fighter would sometimes not think rationally and be like, yeah, I'm just going to do it and it's important and this is the right thing to do. Uh, I kind of feel like it took a lot of courage for him to say it's, it's just not the right call. And, and I'm sure there were coaches and managers and, you know, mentors and people close to him involved, but that, that is a tough call, especially for a guy like Robbie Lawler. So major props to him. Okay. There's only one way we can end today's show. We have spent, you know, close to three and a half hours talking about him, his opponent and his fight. So it is apropos that we end today's show with the one and only Mickey Gall. America's sweetheart is joining us on the phone right now. Mickey, are you there? I'll try it again. Mickey, are you there? Okay, maybe not. I mean, I hear something going on. But maybe he didn't hear my whole intro. Mickey Gall, are you there? New York Rick, are you ripping me? I promise we will get him. Mickey Gall. Okay, we're going to get him back here in just a moment. Mr. Mickey Gall, are you there? Yes, sir. What's going on? Oh, there he is. You missed my whole intro. I said that there's only way, there's only one way that we can end today's show. We've been spending close to three and a half hours talking about you and your opponent and your fight. So I very much appreciate you coming on, especially after landing uh, in Jersey not that long ago. Are you back home? Yeah, I just got home. Just got home to Jersey. What was it like coming home? Were there streamers everywhere, a parade? What, what was waiting for you when you got home? Uh, there was like, there was like uh, I met a couple of people in the airport who said uh, hi, said like, good job. Or like, they were, like, as I walked by, they go, CM Punk. <laughs> but, you know, was, you know, a few uh, nice people had to shake some hands. It was cool. When you were dreaming about this opportunity from the get-go and what could come your way if you beat him, and, you know, the aftermath and the reason why you need to put yourself out there and call the man out. When you were, when you were thinking of, you know, just, just everything that comes along with beating someone of his stature, does it equate to what you're feeling in the last 48 hours? Does it equate to what you've experienced since actually beating him on Saturday night? Um, yeah, man. Dude, Saturday night was, a, it was the most fun I've, I've ever had. Um, I, I was saying that leading up to it. I was like that. It's going to be the best 15 minutes or less of my life, and it really was, man. Coming out and like at, at the queue and just hearing like all the people, just looking around at the crowd of all, of, at all the people, just feeling 
hearing them, feeling them, it, it was amazing. That 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 was really the best part. Um, you know, now I'm, I just I keep you know thinking back to it and just wanting to be back there in the cage. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's great, man. And now you know, it looks like I'm, I'm hopefully I'm gonna get another cool fight, and you know, I get to do it again. Oh, what do you got? You got some news for us? No, nah, man, nothing. But uh, I heard a lot of people. A lot of people were tagging me in uh, that interview where Dana was saying they're gonna that Sage's people are interested and they're gonna try and make that fight happen. Okay, so there's so much or to talk. That they're gonna make that fight happen, right? But okay, what weight would that fight be at? Seventy. He's coming up. He's coming up. Could you make one fifty-five? Yeah. Um, if I if I I'd, I'd have to have a, a really crappy month. <laughs> to really limiting things um you know not not eating it and, and i guess i can do it but i you know i'm really glad to hear that he's uh willing to come up and that, that was his plan he was planning on coming up his next fight was we're going to be at 170 i had heard that oh okay when did you make the decision that you were going to call him out on the microphone after the fight um I've, I've been thinking about it for a while uh that that just seemed like a fun fight man he's you know He's getting some, some. Uh, he's been getting some nice attention, and you know he's a fun, aggressive fighter, uh, young dude. And I, I know, you know, I, I know I, I could take it to him, and I, I could beat that kid up. And do you think it will happen at MSG? That'd be awesome, man. That'd be a dream come true. Uh, I, I have no idea. I, anything I, you know, I, I really don't know. I, I hope so. That'd be great. To, see, to steal a, a pro wrestling phrase, it kind of felt for a second that you were sort of turning heel on us afterwards because, like, there you are dropping all these F-bombs, calling him corny. He's, you know, he's beloved by so many. He's just a very innocent guy. Was that was that the goal here? Were you trying to turn into a bad boy? Um. Yeah, well, I guess when it's, if it's between me and Sage, uh, I'm a bad guy. You know, if it if I wasn't in the, in the fight business, I probably wouldn't say my opinion on him and, and be loud and say that I I think he's corny and stuff, but I, I am in the fight business. So, you know, I, I'm here to sell, I got to sell fights, but, uh, I, I do, that is the truth. I would never lie. I mean, I, I do think, I think he's, he's kind of a corny kid, you know, but, uh, and, but, you know, I, 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 I have no, like I said in the, in the first, the, the real message I want to get out, man, I, I have no hate for anyone. Uh, you know, so I, and I don't, I don't hate him. I just, I, it'd be great to fight him. Okay, let's talk about uh, the, the week in Cleveland. You get there. Did everything go right? Did you just feel like you were in the right place? Did it all feel like it was coming together? And did you ever worry that for whatever reason, the fight wouldn't happen? You know, crazy things happen in the sport. I mean, a, a damn elevator broke and C.B. Dalloway had to pull out. Were you ever worried just because it was so damn unique and so damn big for you that it wouldn't happen on Saturday? Um, You know, I... Uh, I, I I, I, everything went great. Everything went really well. Fight week was so much fun. Uh, it's a blast out there. I did actually, now that you ask, I, I, um, I really talked about this at all. I was having, excuse me, but I was having like diarrhea for the last three days there. Like wow. my last two days of weight cut. And then like the day of the fight. Um, so that got me a little nervous. I'm like, Oh, Oh no. Am I going to get sick? And then this huge opportunity, I'm going to have to really, you know, uh, I, like, there's no way I was going to pull out, but I was like, damn, am I going to have to really trudge through with, wanting to crap my pants half the time. But, uh, you know, come, came fight time, I felt, I felt good, and there was nothing that was going to stop me. Um, what do you think that was? Like, were you, were you sick from food, or do you think you were nervous? Why do you yeah, think... I, what I do is I always prepare my, all my own food. My, my mom does. She, she helps me out big time. She, uh, and she, uh, 
you know, she slaved in the kitchen, cooked me up a whole lot of food that I bring out. Um, you know, no salt, all good weight cut food. So I'm staying uh, full and stuff. But, but the fridge that I got in the room wasn't good, and I think my food went bad. I think the fridge, like, it wasn't it really wasn't cold. Uh. I, I found that out too late, and I, I was eating uh, these veggie turkey burgers that, uh, you know, gave me the shits. Wow. So again, yeah. that hotel in Cleveland strikes again, right? The elevators, the, the fridge isn't cold enough. What's going on? <laughs> Did you have any elevator Dude, problems? that place must be cursed. Yeah. Man. No, well, yeah, for waiting, they only had one run in event at, by the end. And, you know, um, so yeah, I had to wait really long, but, uh, got an elevator, but no, 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 no bad problems. Not, I'm like my buddy CB Dalloway. That stinks, yeah. man. All those guys stuck in there and he hurt himself. Felt really bad. Um, when you guys were at the weigh-ins and he refused to shake your hand, did that change anything for you? Um, got me a little more excited, like at the time. Like I was going in there and I remember peeking through the curtains before I walked out and seeing all the people and I was like, oh man, this is crazy. I came in with you know, a big smile on my face, all happy, excited. And I knew, you know, we were going to stare. I anticipated him doing, maybe doing something, um, you know, maybe trying to, you know, anything. Uh, you know, I I was going to be ready for it. Uh, and then, yeah, he, you know, he didn't shake the hand. So it got me a little, little like souped up, like, like, Oh man, I want to fight this dude right now. But, uh, you know, nothing much. When you got to the locker, did you hear that he he said I was stuttering? Yeah, I I did hear that. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, I was speaking, I was, I was speaking perfectly clear. He he was probably just focusing in so hard that his ears were turned off. And, and to be clear, what did you say to him? I'll tell you exactly what I said. I said, I said, you, and you, you guys probably read my lips. I go, you're an actor. You're still acting. You're, you're at, you're acting hard. I go, we're going to fight tomorrow. And then and I, I go, you, you know, what's going to happen. I was like, yeah, I'm going to hurt you. And then, and then when I turned around to walk off and he kept staring at me, I was just like, keep looking at me. And I like, <laughs> as I walked away. Um, so then you get to the arena on Saturday. What are the feelings? What are the emotions that you're experiencing? I was good, man. You know, in, in, in fights, there's always a mixture of excitement and nervousness. Um, you know, let's say it's, it's like a, a 70, 30 excitement, uh, nervousness, you know, weird feelings going on in your stomach. I'd say this is probably a 90, 10, um, uh, excitement to nervousness. Um, but, but, you know, as, as it gets closer, as the fight creeps closer, you start to get a little more nervous. And then once I started walking out and I, I heard the crowd, I just felt amazing, bro. I, I I loved it. It was it was such a it was the experience of my life. Best moment of my life Walk, was walking out there, getting in there, knowing I'm gonna get to fight in front of all these people. Now there was a little twist, a little surprise, because on Embedded, you get the phone call from Dana saying that he's nixed your song, and everyone gets pissed off about this and start tweeting about it and all this stuff, and then they play the song, the "Hey Mickey, you're so fine." When did you find out that they had reversed course? As I'm, as I'm about, as I'm standing there, as I'm standing there, like they have the cameras in front of me, uh, my whole team's behind me, they're like, it's go time, it's go time, all, you know, all that stuff everyone's saying, then all of a sudden I start hearing the boom, like I start hearing <laughs> the beginning of that song, I, I look at them, I'm like, did they switch it? Is this, <laughs> is this me? Am I going now? And then they're like, yep, yep, we're rolling, let's go. Uh, so, so I found out right there when everyone else did. Did you find out what happened? Why they decided to change their mind again? Uh, Joe Silva told me after in the cage, he told me, he was like, like yeah, man, I, I told Danny's got to play. Hey, Mick, you're so fine. But uh, at the weigh-ins, 
the, the ceremonial lanes, Dana told me, he was like, dude, I'm getting fucking abused online <laughs> uh, for this Hey Mickey stuff. <laughs> so, maybe, you know, I think the people online, it, uh, you know, it shows. Yeah. You, know, you, you, got, you guys are heard. Everyone, we, we got a voice out there. Everyone yeah. does. Uh, that, that was great. I love the way you walk, like you walk out, you're like, you're slicking your hair back and stuff. Like you're just cool as a cucumber, not a worry in the world. You didn't feel anything. Uh, no, I mean, I feel it. I, you know, I, but I just know I'm going in there and I, I, I'm going to go do what I do every day. I, you know, I've been fighting people in, in, in the gym and beat, you know, beating people up since I was 16 and I, you know, I, 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 I become good at that and I, I, I know that's all it is. All there is in there is me and one other guy. I just got to beat up one guy out there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting, man. It's fun. When the fight starts and he comes charging at you, is this is this a foreign idea or did you expect that? Did you expect him to do that? I kind of expected it. Huh. Um, I thought, you know, I, I had a feeling he, he, he was going to feel like I have something to prove. I need to show I'm a, I'm a fighter. I'm going to come in there and be a tough fighter. Uh, and you know, I, once I get in there, I let my training take over. I'm not thinking in there. Uh, and he, you know, crossed the line where it, the, you know, the line in my head of where, how far he should be. I'd like to keep him at, at us at a certain range. And when you, when you come in that hot, I'm just, I'm, I'll, I'll take you down. I was like, All right, I'm just going to, you know, I, my body did it. I just changed levels and took him down as he, as he came in that, that, uh, aggressively and quick. What was your game plan? Like if, if it was up to you, how are you planning to start the fight? I, I wanted I wanted to work my stand up. I uh I've been working really, really diligently, um, training my stand up with Sean Diggs. Um and, and it, it really I've really cleaned up a whole lot of stuff. Like I I I've been saying like the version of myself that fall in February, like I I'd whoop that dude. Like I've I've really I'm really proud of what I've done the past six months in my training. Uh you know, I I've just I've been I've been ruthless. I've just been really committed and you know, I've just been very smart about it and I wanted to be able to, you know, I saw the videos of him and I want, I would have liked to have knocked him out. I want to get a knockout. So, um, that was the plan, but I, you know, and if, if he lasted, I knew, I, you know, I've been doing Gracie Jiu Jitsu with David Deeves since I was 16 and I knew I'd beat him there too. Was he at all tougher than you thought he would be, or was he exactly as tough as you thought? Um, I mean, you know, I knew he'd be, t- I figured he'd be tough, man. Those wrestlers, they're tough guys. They're slamming themselves around. And stuff, uh, you know. I, I guess I, it was it was pretty much what I expected. I knew once like he got in there with me, I, I was gonna just be able to to dominate him. And uh, you know, I started hitting him, and then I was just I was taking my time working the choking, playing the hands. I wasn't gonna overcommit uh, any on anything too crazy. I knew I'd find my, I knew I'd find uh, the the submission or or count him out eventually. I, so I was just you know playing with both of those. Um. There was one point where he was defending and you were going for the rear naked and he defended it. Eventually you got it. Did that even surprise you? I mean, I'm just wondering what your expectations were of him. The fact that he was defending. No, I, was, I was high on the face. I, I was, I was on, I was across the mouth uh-huh. when, uh, I did see the, the video and they were like, like, they're like, Oh, it's in. It, it wasn't in. I, I was just cranking his head a little bit. Okay. Now I was going to start sliding it back and uh, starting slipping my hands back and forth. I was just giving him a little, little, little head squeeze. <laughs> just for good measure. Yeah, for good measure. Um, you also gave him a, a, a cauliflower ear as well. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that thing. That's a badge of honor for you. Uh, it's a badge of honor for him. Um, for him too. Yeah. You know, good point. I, I, I got a big, I got a cauliflower ear too, and I'm, you know, I'm proud of that. I put, I've been, you know, 
banging around for a while, and that, that's why I got that. He he earned that car salary. Yeah, um, he should be proud of that. Do you recall the emotions you felt when the fight was over? When you 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 came to realize that you did it, you beat CM Punk. You're the guy. You get that rub. What was going through your mind at that moment when you're celebrating? Uh, I was excited, man. It, it was a long time coming. Uh, you know, it was a long time coming, and then fight week, you know, makes everything like like really the last like I'd say three weeks. When uh, they started showing our promos and stuff on TV, I just couldn't wait to fight, man. I just I couldn't wait to fight. And then, you know, when it's all over, it's like it, it was nice. It's nice. This is nice, man. Winning a fight. There's they say there's like there's nothing you could shoot, snort, or smoke that mm. that feels like that. Uh, I don't do those other things, but I uh, I do love the feeling of winning fights, man. Um, and then shortly afterwards, he comes up to you and talks to you. And you guys spoke about this afterwards. He said, you know, don't ever feel like you don't belong on the poster, on this stage, etc. Um, and let me know if I'm missing anything there. But that, that seemed to be the general message. Did that surprise you that he went up to you that quickly and told you that? Um, yes and no. In hindsight, I guess not. Um, you know, I, didn't ex- I, I wasn't sure how he was going to be after the fight. Like, I saw the way he was with other people around. Um, he was just, just kind of awkward all all fight week in the, our little interactions together. So I wasn't sure what to expect from this guy. I'd see him with other one and everyone else and he's all smiley and, you know, trying to be like, a, he's like the, the jester, like he's like, you know, making jokes and this and that. Um, but, uh, you know, so yeah, it, he was, it was nice of him. It, it, he was, he was trying to be motivational. And I, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, he, like, like I said, man, I respect that dude. He's, he made himself a superstar. There's, there's talent there though. I'm sure there's a lot that, I, you know, I, I can learn from that guy and that guy's experience. Um, was there any part of you that felt bad for him? No. You said no. that like a stone cold killer. Yeah, no. I, I, if you if if you know you sign a paper to fight me, uh, I'm, I'm going to be going in there to kill you. All right. Um, speaking of signing papers, uh, the the word came out earlier today about the. The disclosed pay. Have you seen this? I'm sure you have. Yeah. Uh, what's your reaction to Punk making five hundred thousand? And according to this, uh, you made thirty thousand for that fight. What's your reaction to how much he got paid? Um, that's that's about what I imagine. That's why I was hoping he missed weight to get twenty percent of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you're not bothered by this as much as so many other people online. Nah, man, it's cool. He's 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 a superstar. He uh, you know. There's a reason why he's there. He, <clears throat> without him, I'm not in in that spot either. So that's cool. I, I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's 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 all good. I, I'm not mad at that. No way. Did you did you make thirty thousand, bro? Huh? Did you make thirty thousand? Yes. Okay. Um, maybe you got a little bonus too. I'm uh, I'm imagining, right? Uh, no, I got thirty thousand. All right, all right. Um, do you if you're the UFC? Do you consider doing something like this again, or or should they not play this game anymore? Um, nah, whatever. I think a lot of people were interested. Uh, it brought a lot of um, you know, a lot of WWE fans to to watch. A lot of guys who wouldn't have been watching, who like the the violent stuff, who like you know this type of action, brought them over. And they're you know, I, I've heard of a, a lot of people contacting me saying, "Hey, I, I watched." fight with punk and you know i'm a, I'm an mma fan now oh, so wow. i think it worked i think it was it was a smart move and i think it worked did a part of you feel like you had a duty as the the you know the longer time mixed martial artist 
to beat him convincingly, like you were sort of doing this for the sport, kind of in the same way, like the Randy Couture, James Tony fight. I mean, it's very, very different, but like that as the guy who has been doing this for so many years, you couldn't let him win. I 100% felt a strong obligation to make an example out of him. Okay. I, I, I felt indebted to my sport, to the veterans of my sport, to my, all my, everyone in my sport to go in there and dominate every second of that fight. 100%. And I asked Jim Miller this question earlier in the show. Do you feel any kind of resentment, not from, you know, I know there's going to be haters, but from people in your gyms, you know, the ones that you go to, but maybe when you go visit someone here or there, do you ever feel any resentment? Like, oh man, I've been doing this for three, four, five years. I have 15 fights in CFFC and like, look at you, look at all the love you're getting. Do you feel that at all from your peers? I I don't feel it, man. Everyone around me, they know me. I know them and we're, we're... you know, we're, we're cool. I, I, like I always say, man, there's guys, you know, to be speaking of CFFC, Sean Shorty, Rock Santella, Andy Main. These dudes are freaking studs, man. They should be in the UFC. They'd be, they'd be tearing shit up, but, uh, for whatever reason, they're not there yet. I hope that changes. Um, and there's uh, so many guys that I can mention that, you know, that belong here. And, uh, I, I hope get here very soon. Yeah. Um, you know, now comes the, the, the tougher part, if you will, because now you're a part of the UFC roster and, you're going to have to, you know, prove your worth, so to speak. Do you look at that welterweight division and already, like, can you confidently say that you're better than, you know, a good portion of it? Like, do you feel, even though you don't have the experience as far as pro MMA is concerned and people like to to note that, do you already feel like you're better than a lot of the people in that division? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'm only going to get better, and I have to get better. There's a lot of um, areas that I, I know um, that I, that I, I need to work on and I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not, this has just made me more hungry. This is all, this opportunity just makes me want to be, it makes me want to be a champion even more. I love it. I, I love, I love fight week. I love, I love fighting. I, I, you know, I want to be the champion. So I'm, you're, I'm going to be back in the gym, you know, in, in a day and I'm going to be back at, at, you know, uh, perfecting my craft. I, I want, I want to be a UFC champion. I'll, I'll make sure that happens. Did any of the UFC brass, you know, Dana, the new owners, anyone else come up to you afterwards? And if so, what did they say to you? Um, no, nah, not a lot. Not a lot from, from the brass. I didn't get a lot from the brass. Uh, you know, I, I thanked, I sent some messages just thanking, uh, you know, I, I thank Dana, thank everyone for the opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, you know, they're, so we're trying to make that super stage fight happen and, and, and I hope that happens. I like how you always call him Super Sage, by the way. You don't just call him Sage. You're always calling him Super Sage. Is there a reason for nah, that? He's Super Sage, man. He's Super Sage. <laughs> Have you ever run he's into him? Sage. No, I've never seen him. Huh. Um, uh, yeah. Do you think that CM Punk will ever fight again? Um, yeah, I think he'll have another fight. Uh, I, I would have said, I, I w- I, and I, I might, maybe I would be wrong, but I would have said he would have another UFC fight. Um, but... And now I'm seeing them saying he uh, that he won't that uh, he, he sh- his next one might be elsewhere. But so you know, I, I think he absolutely will. I think that dude's you know has hunger and drive, and I, I believe he will have another MMA fight. Have you had a chance to sit back and smell the roses here? I mean, a year ago, no one knew who you were, and now look at you. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, this is one of the most talked about fights in you know in 2016. So much has changed in such an amazing, amazingly short amount of time. Is this all a little surreal? Are you impressed with the way you're handling it? How do you feel about just what's happened in your life? I mean, your life is drastically different than it was exactly a year ago today. Um, 
I'm not impressed with my my potty mouth after the fight. <laughs> I, I I did I, I did figure I'd maybe say an F word, but I said too many of them. But you know, uh, man, that that crowd had me had me jacked up. I was doing great. Uh, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not too too impressed with myself. I'm I'm staying humble. I uh, I got a lot. I got I got big plans. I got a lot I want to do, and you know, just get, just getting started. I, I've been so far. I've been relatively lucky, man. If you look at the guys I fought, they're not super experienced guys. They're not kill. They're not real killers. Uh, I I got a lot of killers I got to face, and I, I'm gonna be very prepared for them. How far away do you think you are from being in contender discussion? How many fights or um, years? So say I, I beat Sage. Um, that'll be that'll be a big fight, man. I, and you know how I was saying I I didn't believe I should be on like the main card and on a poster and stuff. Now that I got a taste of that, that's all I want to do. I want to be on the main card every time. I want to be on the main card every time. I, I want to fight Sage on, on a main card. Uh, I want to be in front of the big crowds. I, I want, you know, I like that. I like being in, under the lights. Um, so let's say I beat Sage, then I beat the next guy and the next guy. I got I got to be getting close, right? Wow. So you, you caught the bug. Oh, yeah. I got it bad. Yeah. And is it going to be weird? You know, a fighter told me recently that like when you prepare for a fight and there's so much going on and you have this crescendo in front of the world and then going back home on like a Monday, there's this weird sort of depression that kicks in. Even if you win, do you feel like it's going to be weird to go back to sort of normal life for the next few weeks? Um, no, man, it'll be nice because I've been, I've I've been in, in, in war mode for, for the past, you know, like six months for real, I'm going to take, you know, a, a couple of days and, you know, be, do, and be light. Uh, I'm going to do things lightly and let my body recover a little bit. Um, just, just from like work, working my ass off in camp. But then, you know, I'm going to, uh, yeah, you know, I don't think this would be bad. I, I, I do wish I could, I could get that feeling of being in a cage again. I can't wait for that. Hmm. So you'll probably get yeah, that. That's to say, I think there's only, hangover or whatever you call it, depression from. Sure. I just want to, I, I love that feeling, man. That was, that was a nice high. By the way, do you still train at Henzo Gracie's? <laughs> uh, I've been meaning yeah, to ask you this. I, I really plan on going back there. Do you not? Are you being sarcastic? No, no, no. I, I will. That's, that's great training. I, I don't know what happened with, with uh, I, you know, I was kind of, at first, my feelings were a little hurt when Henzo said I was going to lose by guillotine. Yeah. But then I was like, Maybe it'll make people think this guy has got a shot against me, and that could make it a little more interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think you know, Henzo knows me. He knows my. I, I thought he did. He's always <laughs> said hi to me at tournaments and stuff. Um, he knows my my coach, and you know that. I, so you know, it, it was it was a little surprising to hear that, but you know, I, I respect Henzo. I, I I love Henzo, man. He's a, I'm, I've been a fan of his. I have. You know, I got I got Henzo's stuff. I watch Henzo movies. He's one of my favorites ever. So you know, I, but it, it was cool, man. I don't care. He he can say whatever he he likes. He, he's a man. He's earned it. Next time you see him, will you take it up with him? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I got it. I I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I just. Like yeah. That said, so Hens, what was that about, man? Yeah. Charles and a guillotine. Come on, dude. Come on. Yeah. Just make make light of it. Make a joke. But I feel like you got to bring it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I bring it up. Um, what are you doing to celebrate now? Now that you're home, are you doing anything fun? Uh, I'm gonna actually go play with my baby sisters. I have a four-year-old and two-year-old little sister that I'm gonna hopefully go swim in the pool with in a little while. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, just uh, see some people, 
I plan on in in the next week at least to hang out with some people that I've you know that my my training has made me neglect. You know, I don't I can't I don't hang out with with friends unless they're my training partners really because I you know I'm just I'm at I'm 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 practicing two times a day, so I'm right. gonna try and make some time for some special people. And do you feel confident that it will be MSG your next fight? You don't think that's too soon? No, I'm ready. I'll, I'll, I'm ready. If it's MSG, let's do that. That would thrill me. I'd love to fight on that card. Like I said, now I'm the Jersey boy. That's, that's my backyard. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right. I'm, I could spit to MSG. All right. Uh, so I, I'd love to fight there. Well, man, uh, again, congratulations. What a story this is. And uh, you were the perfect guy for it all. You, you, you nailed it from, from the opening call out up until the pro's fight press conference even now i mean you are you are something else you you really get the fight game and like i said when you weren't on the show there are some veterans of the sport who i feel like don't get the game like you do the game of calling people out and moving up the ladder and all that stuff so kudos to you congratulations mickey and i appreciate you coming on you know moments after you you just got back home i'm sure you want to chill out a little bit and looking forward to having you back in studio perhaps before the msg fight against super sage but again congrats enjoy the victory and uh and well done on everything it's it's great to have have you in the UFC and very happy for you and your family. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Myself, my family, we, we appreciate it, man. Uh, and uh, th- thanks, Frederick Chevrolet, for, uh, for their, their support along the way. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mickey. Later, buddy. All right. There he is, Mickey Gall. A name to remember, a face to remember, defeats CM Punk via first round submission. Rear naked choke. Super Sage. It's going down. Sounds like it's going down, right, New York Rick? I would love to see that. That's the one. That's the one. You're sold. Oh, come on. I mean, that's the fight. Like, there's, there, now I almost don't want to see anything I else know. from either of them. It's just so perfect, right? Because his you, trash you made, talk. You made a good point, though, about, um, about Sage, you know, going up to 170 and, and not having success there. It, it is for him, um, a bit of a risk. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, um, putting yourself on the map these are the two guys that, that need to be facing off for yeah. sure Jacques Rockhold who do you got oh don't do this to me what come on no serious I, uh, I'm gonna uh, you sound a little hesitant no I've got Jacare. you don't seem too sure of yourself uh, no I think Jacare wins although I mean it, right now it's hard to pick against Rockhold but I think um, I think Jacare gets it done Poirier Johnson it's too, it, it's uh, let me just finish on this it's it's been too long. He's never going to get that freaking title shot, Jacare. Yeah, I mean, it just fe- it just feels like he. The well, timing, that has nothing to do with who you think won or is going to win. I should no, say no, but it just feels like at a certain point he's been in the game too long, and and um, maybe maybe he's reached his uh, you know uh, his point of diminishing returns. But um, no. what do you mean? No, he's he's not that young. He's no, not I a, know. He's not a spring chicken, and he's but just I don't been see floating any signs around. Of that yet. Uh, I wish. Uh, the Romero fight, the the decision had gone the right way, and we had seen Jacare fight for the title. Because now this is another fight where, if Rockhold beats him here, he's he's probably not going to fight for it. It's it's. Uh, Isn't it crazy though that this fight could have definitely been the next title fight, and now it's a non-title fight happening yeah. in Melbourne on FS1. It's so crazy that this could have been the title fight. I mean, this could have been the title fight in June. with it. Yeah, for sure. This was the one. Um. Poirier, yeah, it, I'm, I can't pick against Dustin right now. That That's guy, guy is firing. At 55, I mean, he looks he looks downright unbeatable right now. Yeah, he looks great. I like the uh, Chris Wade-Islam Makachev fight on that card as well. Yeah, that's fun. Kenny Robertson versus Juan Carnero, Uriah Hall versus Derek Brunson. Who are you liking that one? 
Whew. That's a tough one, right? I think Brunson. I think Brunson's really put it together. Um, I think he's going to out wrestle him. I don't. Th- I think at some point you would th- you would say you have said that you know Brunson is um, almost exclusively the, the wrestler, but I think he's gotten his hands and 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 is striking um, to the point where he may not need to go to that as much. Um, I just think he's a little more complete than than Hall, um, a little less gun shy, uh, you know, more willing to kind of fire. Um, I, I, I like Brunson there, um, but at at the same time, Uriah Hall is dangerous just because he does freaky things um when he when he does you know uh get the action going he he just does things that nobody else can do and what about my guy as we close out the show my guy rico verhoeven i mean what a guy performance right chops down the legs of one anderson braddock silva fantastic win for him what a weekend for dutch combat sports they get 50 percent of the result you know i gotta say i was really surprised with the lack of support that reem got from the dutch fans i mean i i think i met like three or four that flew in and maybe he's not as associated with holland because he doesn't train out of there like like connor does you know what i mean it's been a while for him but this was a big moment for the guy i mean this has been years in the making yeah i don't know if the dutch fans are feel taking that their loyalty time off. no no i was not going to say that are taking their time to go to cleveland ohio why not i don't know if that's whoa whoa whoa! what are you saying about cleveland it's a very nice town it's a you know very what? nice town you know what it just reminded me that the 73 and 9 golden state warriors blew a 3-1 no 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 no, no no you are now backpedaling quicker than reem was in that uh, first round um no i yeah i mean are there i feel like there's only a select few guys that that happens for yeah but it's I thought GSP, maybe because this was his moment, Connor. this moment, and also he he just fought in Rotterdam, so I thought, okay, there has been this, you know, this excitement over him finally getting the title shot. I don't know. I thought there would be more, but I got to tell you, the Cleveland fans, they I showed swear, out, huh? It was deafening. It was deafening. It was you. You took heat because you said it was bigger than the, yeah. the pop was bigger than Ireland. Uh, it was. It was. They were exploding for every punch landed, and it was a great fight. And I think that they all got a little bit scared because it looked like Reem was on his way to the victory. Did, the guillotine. Here's oh the guillotine. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, he drops. I him. forgot about that part of it. But when he dropped them, he was in no rush to kind of get down there. Then it, it did look dangerous. Like with the a guillotine. minute before, maybe less than a minute before, I said something's got to give. I, I tweeted something's got to give because the punches that they were landing. Miocic was definitely rocked. In fact, he said in the post-fight interview that he thought it was a kick that dropped him. Oh, he was he was he was rocked. For so he, sure. So he was rocked, uh, and then Reem was rocked, and then the ground and pound. I mean, the whole thing was just go back and watch that fight. Big I drama mean, show. It was wild. Big yeah. drama show. Triple G. Triple he G. also won. He also won. What a weekend! All right. Huge. Anything else? That was it. Um. Yeah. That was it. Okay. We're out of here. We are done. Are you back next week? Are you taking time off? Stop I forget. It. I will be here yeah. like I will be every week. I would never disappoint the fans. Wait, that's an actual lie because you won't be here in two weeks. So you just lied to us. <laughs> in two weeks, I will not be here. Unbelievable. Like my son this morning. What? My son Uh-oh. this morning Already? comes downstairs and he says that mom told him that he can have fizzy drink, which is like uh, like a San Pellegrino, but a, um, a flavored version. I okay. said, there's no way this is true. There's no way she said you can have this for breakfast. Yes, yes, yes. I promise. I promise. Four years old. So I said, all right, fine. If she said it, comes down. Well, I can't believe you said that he can have that. I didn't say that. He lied to me, to my face, for the first time. A bold-faced lie, just like you lied to all of us. You heard it here first, folks. Ariel Hawani teaching his son to lie from a very young age. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. All right.
we are done. You can hit my music. Another fun show in the books. The experiment, the chapter, the era that is CM Punk in the UFC. Has it ended? We're not sure, but of course the debut has ended. Didn't go the way he wanted it. And, and, and again, as we talk about kudos for showing a lot of heart, kudos for making the walk, kudos for doing it. No one is more pissed off. No one could care less about all of this than him. And that's a pretty damn cool thing too. And I think people are giving him heat for talking about the journey before the fight. But the guy wanted to win. And it just didn't go his way. And he fought a, a tough kid who is well on his way to to potentially making some some waves. And he has done that already, but he wants even bigger waves. He wants even bigger prizes, bigger purses, bigger fights. How can you hate whatever Mickey Gall is doing and saying these days? Fun time. I like this. Sometimes with a UFC event every single weekend, it's nice to get a break from the norm. It's nice to cover something a little different, a little wacky. No problems here. It was fun to cover. And well done, Cleveland. It was... uh, Look, we've had our differences, but you have a beautiful city, and it was a pleasure covering the event there. Thank you very much to everyone who tuned in. Thank you very much to everyone who stopped by. Thank you very much to John Pollock. Great insight, as always. Fantastic stuff from Jim Miller. Thank you to him. Jimmy Rivera, fantastic news as well. Congratulations. Alexander Gustafson, thank you. King Mo, thank you. Anastasia Yankova, good luck this Friday. And Mickey Gall, thank you very much as well. Back next Monday, same time and place. Until this day, peace. Somebody else.